this past 18 months has forced people to think about how politics affects them. Hey, what's up? This is Zuby, and you are now listening to the Lifestylist Podcast. The sound vibrating your eardrums right now is episode 377 with Zuby, the antidote to wokeness, cultural Marxism, tyranny, and social division. You guys are in for a real barn burner today, let me tell you. Zuby dropped by the studio here in Austin, and uh, man, he just laid down some heavy, heavy truth bombs. In fact, if it's possible, I recommend entering a local bomb shelter uh, of sobering resilience before continuing with this episode. And for those of you with uh, thick skin and a thirst for truth, please join my telegram. You can find that at lukestory.com slash telegram. For the time being, this is the only place I can speak freely about current events without being banned into oblivion. So that's where I do that. The rest of the love and light and unicorns and rainbows can, of course, be found on this podcast and at Luke Story on Instagram, etc. You can find the show notes for today's episode at lukestory.com slash Zuby. There are going to be many references mentioned in the episode you might want to look into. So again, that's lukestory.com slash Zuby for the show notes. Here's a bit about our guest for those of you that are unfamiliar. Zuby is an independent rapper, podcast host, author, public speaker, and creative entrepreneur with over 800,000 followers online. He was born in England, raised in Saudi Arabia, and is a graduate of Oxford University. He's sold over 30,000 albums independently, performed in eight countries, and achieved over 10 million online video views. Now, this is a very extensive conversation that bobs and weaves into some super far out territory. So I'll just give you a couple of the highlights here and then go ahead and jump right in. First, Zuby talks about his visit to the U.S. and how it differs from the U.K. during the pandemic, Zuby's relationship to spirituality, his thoughts on racism and how being black has affected his ability to achieve success, why the cultural Marxists are so obsessed with identity politics and tribalism, the perverted strategy of divide and conquer we currently see in the world, how we can create more unity and undermine the efforts of the powers that be. Zuby's take on social justice movements such as BLM and what they are doing to our culture, his thoughts on political correctness and his experience with cancel culture and censorship, Zuby's incredible insights on the pandemic, the current climate of tyranny, and the way up and out to freedom, how to find courage to speak your truth and get over your addiction to fitting in and approval seeking, our foundational values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the importance of mass civil disobedience in the face of authoritarianism, and how you can summon the courage to stand for human rights and liberty. Now, I'll admit, this episode is a bit of a departure. You know, we generally talk about personal development, psychology, health, biohacking, spirituality, meditation, all the things, right, to go within and to uplift yourself, and as a result, hopefully, uplift some others around you. But I think just due to the nature of where we are as a civilization right now, I thought if I was going to sound an alarm, that Zuby would be a great person to help me in doing so. So we're uh, going off the rails here a little bit from our normal uh, topics of conversation, but I just felt that this one really needed to happen. And frankly, I knew Zuby was in town and he's someone that I just wanted to sit down and chat with. So I thought, you know what, throw a couple mics and a couple cameras up and let's get her done. So I hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by the following awesome brands. We've got paleovalley.com, then waterandwellness.com slash story. You can get the AquaTrue water purification system. I've got one right here in the kitchen. It's pretty badass. And then finally, blueblocks.com slash lifestylist. 
Now, this conversation is sure to trigger a few listeners, so if you happen to be one of them, I encourage you to enter with an open mind, uh, a beginner's mind, as they say. And in the end, Zuby's message is all about unity. And if we need anything at all in the world right now, we definitely need more of that. So thank you for listening to the Lifestylist podcast. And by all means, feel free to share this one with some friends, especially those friends who are trying to find their way through and out of the maze of the matrix. Enjoy this conversation with Zuby. Zuby, we made it, dude. We're here, man. Happy to be here. I'm so stoked that you came through Texas. Yeah, me too, man. I'm yeah, I saw that you were uh, speaking at the event the other night with with JP Sears and a couple other folks, and I was like, oh man, I got to hit him up because I don't really reach out to people that live super far away typically because mm. okay. you just get a different vibe in person. And so I was like, ah, oh, he's here, man. So thanks for agreeing to do the show. No doubt, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate the invite. So tell me what it's been like to be in the U.S. Amazing. Amazing. It's been, I keep using the term and it's not a term I usually use. I have been saying it's a love fest. Every city I've been to, all the events I've done, people I've met, it's just been love. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people. Um, Last time I was in the States was two years ago, September to November, 2019. And in that two years, the sheer amount of growth and number of people who know me and are following and I'm even just simply aware who I am has gone up exponentially. Um, Every single city, it's just been, it's just been love from the event on Friday to, I mean, when I first came into the States, I flew into Houston, spoke at the Young America's Foundation annual student conference to several hundred people in Houston, which was incredible. Then I went to Orlando and did a similar event for Young Americans for Liberty. Also amazing. I've done meetups in a couple different cities. Just the other day, went on the Joe Rogan podcast, done a bunch of other big podcasts, et cetera. And honestly, it's just been love everywhere. It's just been love everywhere. I've met so many great people, so many people who really appreciate what I'm putting out there from my music, to my tweets, to my podcast, to my general message, to my book. It's just amazing, man. It's yeah. amazing. I feel really, really welcomed. I feel very happy. I feel very loved. There's a lot of opportunities. And I also just feel free. I feel free. Yeah. Um, the past year and a half has been very, very weird, especially in a lot of places. And Texas and Florida actually are two of the sanest places in the entire world over this thing and even right now. <laughs> and coming from the UK and from other European countries, it's, uh, yeah, it's just good to just see people being normal again and not seeing masks everywhere and people doing this weird distancing thing and elbow bumping nonsense and just living in fear 24 seven. It's just nice to just be back and see people being normal. It's interesting because, and I agree and welcome. Thank you. It's interesting because there's a large portion. Well, I don't know how large they are actually. Maybe they're just louder, but Mm -hmm. there's a subsect of people in this country that look at people in Florida and Texas <laughs> as some sort of, you know, viral mm-hmm. vectors, mm-hmm. super spreaders, and that we're all crazy. Mm-hmm. You know they're, what I mean? They're it's, sitting there waiting for waiting for everyone here to die and yeah. seemingly being disappointed that we're, that refuses to happen. We're still here, many of us. But it's it's just really interesting right now how yeah. you have the same objective reality happening 
yet there are groups of people and we're going to talk about how to hopefully unite these groups of people. You talked a lot about that the other night, which mm -hmm. I thought was so powerful. You have these groups of people that just see things in such an opposite perspective. It's crazy. I yep. mean, it's, it's astonishing to me that human beings in, in one country, which, you know, of course is diverse in culture and thought, but generally we're all kind of Americans, you know what I mean? And you have people that like every once in a while, I like, kind of get out of my echo chamber. I'm not like a big Twitter user. I have like zero minus zero followers there, but <laughs> that's where I kind of get my news and see what's going on. And sometimes I'll sort of go to the other side just to see what people that aren't in my sphere or people that I agree with are saying. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> like we are so far apart in terms of our perspective on things like that. Yeah. And, um, and I'm in a bubble here and I mm -hmm. only really experience it sometimes when I go to downtown Austin or, you know, areas that are, I guess, not classically liberal, but what, mm -hmm. what is now referred to as liberal. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, whoa, we're living in a different universe. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And that point you make there is so fascinating because you use the term liberal right? And firstly, it's a shame that this thing has become as politicized and tribal as it has become. But also what's interesting beyond the USA on a global level, on a national level, um, and on a state by state level here is that the people who tend to call themselves liberal have had the most illiberal approach to this in many cases. They've actually essentially become ultra hyper conservatives. Yeah. which is really fascinating, even on a country level, right? If you look at the New Zealand's, Australia, Canada, countries that are considered liberal and progressive, et cetera. And all of a sudden they've got the most extreme border policies. They've got the most extreme lockdowns, most authoritarian mandates, telling people what to do, telling people this, that they've gone full blown authoritarian. If you compare the Texas's and Florida's and Georgia's and South Dakota's to the <laughs> California's and the New York's, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's mind blowing because people use that term liberal, but the term liberal stems from liberty. It's freedom, right? So in a normal world, when words actually meant something, you would have been shocked to see that people who call themselves liberal are in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases are advocating for the least liberal approach to this thing, which is quite, it doesn't surprise me in a way because I think the word has become very unmoored from its original definition to the point that classical liberal actually means something very different to what people understand as liberal now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a, uh, it's a weird one, but you're totally right. People are inhabiting entirely different realities. Essentially we're all dealing with the same threats. Um, I mean, at this point, I think the actual threat is very, very low, but, this whole, it, it's, it's, it's one, it's what the same virus, like on a global level, on a national level, on a state to state level. And you've got places that are literally 100% just totally normal, like just the 2019, 2018 normal. And you've got other places which have, you know, I mean, if you look at Australia, it's essentially a police state now. It's a prison colony. Oh, it's, a, it's an authoritarian regime. <sighs> you can't come, you can't go, can't go outside, can't go what, like, three kilometers from your house or whatever it is, can't see friends, can't see family, can't organize, can't even protest. Arresting homeless people for not being at home, shooting dogs because the dogs, uh, you know, could encourage people to break the restrictions. I mean, uh, that's a totalitarian regime. 
people that might sound weird to say that about Australia, but that's what we have. Countries have fallen into essentially dictatorships, right? Prime ministers and mayors and governors and presidents are not supposed to have such a level of power that they can literally just say pretty much anything at this point, it seems. And it goes with that. The whole point of having liberal democracies is that there are certain rights and freedoms and civil civil liberties that you don't just run over by declaring an emergency. And then all of a sudden you can do absolutely anything. That power needs to come back in check. If you listen to the show, you're probably like me. You do your best to eat a clean, healthy, organic diet. And that's easier to do at home when you can cook your own food or go out to a trusted restaurant. But the problem I've had is when I'm on the road or stuck out and about and I need a snack, this is where I'll tend to go off the rails and eat something that's less than optimal. So our friends over at paleovalley.com have solved that problem, y'all. They make some incredible beef sticks and they are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. You should know that many on the market claim to be grass-fed, but they're actually finished on grains, little industry secret there. We'd like to avoid that. Why is 100% grass-fed important? Well, it's got more omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins and minerals, glutathione, and of course, bioavailable protein. Another important thing here is that Paleo Valley uses real organic spices to flavor their beef sticks versus conventional spices sprayed with pesticides, natural flavors, quote-unquote, made from GMO corn or even worse, MSG, which is super toxic. They also ferment their sticks, which creates natural occurring probiotics, which are great for your gut health and make them easy to digest. So these guys have saved my life when it comes to snacking. I keep them in my bag all the time, so I'm never stuck anywhere without some food. You can get your hands on some at paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y, paleovalley.com. And the discount code there for you is Luke, and that saves you 15% off at paleovalley.com. From that point moving forward, these people that have jostled their way into positions of authority can essentially declare a state of emergency about anything, right? It's like, now it's terrorism, now it's a virus, now it's this. It's like, Mm -hmm. the thing I find so interesting about what's going on, I try to stay out of the fear of it and just know that this, the spirit of love and the spirit of humankind and those of us that have some sort of spiritual connection Mm. are going to overcome and that we're in a transition of consciousness Mm. and it's just like this portal that we're going through but what's really trippy about this thing to me is that it's the first time in history where you don't have a single dictator that's in control of a certain geographic place right there's not a lenin a mao a hitler that you can point to and go like he's a baddie right Mm -hmm it's this sort of shadowy conglomerate that are all in lockstep together with using all of the same tactics of Mm. propaganda, fear, manipulation, um, you know, their kind of morphine of cultural Marxism and all the things, but it's really weird because there's not like a single person in one country. Right. It's, and this goes totally, um, to support all of the so-called conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I mean, dude, I was yeah. listening to Alex Jones 20 years ago because mm. it was kind of entertaining and, and David Icke, you yeah. know, who I've interviewed and um, it was entertaining and there was enough truth in there that I was like, wow, it kind of, my red pill was nine 11 because okay. it was just, it was really obvious to me at a certain point that the official story that we've been told had like major flaws in it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there and I didn't orchestrate it, but it's definitely fishy. And, and, and so I started listening to these people and they're talking about, they're talking about, you know, forced vaccines and FEMA camps and the collapse of the dollar and, you know, uh, worldwide pedophilia rings and, and all this kind of stuff. And mm. it was like, there was sort of a morbid curiosity in it, but I think I was so kind of hopeful that humans couldn't be that degenerate <laughs> that it all sounded really extreme. And now yeah. you're looking at a place like Australia and it's like, Oh shit. These guys were right about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I wish they were not, I wish they were crazy. Oh, I mean, gosh, the reptilians yeah. haven't like shape shifted yeah. yet, you know, <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, that's yeah. kind of the limit where, where I was like, oh, I don't know, that's a little too far out yeah, yeah. even for me. And I'm super far out, <laughs> but like anything short of shape shifting Hillary Clinton's is like pretty much on the table now and activated. Mm. And that's what I find kind of so in, uh, in one hand kind of, uh, terrifying but also it's like all of this deception and corruption that was that was hidden and would just emerge as like a single authoritarian dictator mm -hmm. is now just all coming to the surface and i think that's actually the thing that gives me hope because you have moderate rational people that aren't necessarily politically motivated like yeah. i've never been going like wait what yep you know, we're seeing all this conflicting data on this mm -hmm. whole thing. And it's like, you have normal people that are like, nah, man. Yeah. So what, what's your take on, you know, this sort of shadowy conglomerate, like what's going, what's going <laughs> on with this faceless monster, you know, that you, know, you have a Trudeau, you have a Boris, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. like you have kind of faces, a Biden, but I don't really sense that these people actually have a lot of power other than signing a paper than then people go, oh, that's legislation. We're doing this now. Yeah. It's clear that there's a, a government above the government that people typically think of when the word government is said, right? I don't think it's, I don't think the top level is the national level. I mean, we, we already know that we know that there are various governing bodies. Of course, in Europe, you have, you know, the, the, the EU, right? The EU sits above the national governments in many ways. That was part of the whole motivation for Brexit, right? People didn't want to have unelected officials in Brussels determining laws for people in the UK, everything from immigration policy to work policies, et cetera. So there are, there are various global organizations. Not everything is shadowy. We know about the, from a uh, so-called health perspective, there's of course the, of course the WHO. Um, there's, uh, yeah, of course there's, there's the EU. They have things like the whole You've got things like uh, NATO, you have like Davos, like there, there's World there's Economic world Forum. E world, yeah. Yes, of course, World yeah. Economic Forum. So there there are these groups and organizations that aren't necessarily shadowy. I mean, they're, they're out there, they're official, they're public. And then beyond that, I don't know, right? Anything would be, it would be conjecture, but when they're all using the same terminology, whether that's build back better or the new normal or <laughs> Did whatever you ever notice it is. Right? That these phrases they use in the propaganda, they're always three words. Yeah. yeah. There, there's some psychological, I don't know what it is, but there's gotta be some psychological. There's even a rhythm to them, build back better, like one syllable, one syllable, two syllables. You should uh, use that yeah. for your next album. <laughs> yeah. Find three catchy words. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. But I, I noticed six feet apart, stay at home, safer at home. You know, it's like every yeah. little slogan. Very that's simple. Come out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's the same, same thing in every country. I mean, I've traveled to six different countries during the past 18 months and it's remarkably similar. Even when it's in a different language, it's the same 
programming and it's the same nonsense. It's the, it's the same policies that don't make sense. Oh, walk into a restaurant, put a mask on and then like walk four feet to your table and take it off and eat. Like that's, that's a global, that's a global right. rule. It makes no sense anywhere. I mean, to be fair, like global policy. it does make perfect sense that a virus can't get in you if you're sitting down. Of course, <laughs> of course. Just like after 9 p.m., it you know, becomes ravenous and you've got to have a curfew. Oh, um, but this, this is the thing, right? And the problem is, you know, I think there's something you said is interesting about your sort of awakening moment. And I think that, like you said, most people, most people are good people. Most people are decent. I do believe that, right? I, I know that some people may be like, no, that's not true. Most people, I'm like, no, most, pe- most people are decent, right? Whether or not you want to use the word good, debatable, but most people are decent. They're not waking up every day trying to make the world a worse place, right? Most people do mean well. And as a result of that, I think it's very, very difficult to understand the concept of evil or malice, right? Yeah. There's always the assumption we, we as human beings tend to project. So if you're a decent and good person who means well, you typically assume that everybody else means well. And so it can be extraordinarily difficult to understand or even accept that there could be a possibility that there are people who don't, right? Whether you're talking about a criminal, right? It's extraordinarily, diff- extraordinarily difficult to understand the mindset of like a, you know, a, a murderer, right? Or like a rapist, like someone who's like, does evil, a mass shooter, et cetera, a serial killer. You can't understand the psychology because the motive doesn't make sense to you because you're trying to project that decency, that human decency onto the, so you're there trying to work out like, but what? And I'm like, it's just evil, right? It could just be evil, right? And now people are trying to find all these other reasons it's like, no, it's just evil. Like you can't understand it because you're not, you're not like that. 100%. Right? You're, you're not like that. So yeah. you're, you're not going to get like a clear, rational explanation as to why it's like that. And I think that, again, I think that most people in politics or the media who are really running this whole circus, I do think that most people, again, are decent. I know lots of people in politics. I know lots of people in the media, but there are people who don't right? There are people who are psychopathic or evil or have, you know, bad motivations. And that has a real, that has a real impact, right? I mean, if you, I don't know, after these past 18 months, I mean, you can give benefit of the doubt for a while, but if after this 18 months, someone has, is still in the phase of all of this going on is simply to protect people <laughs> from a virus and to keep us safe and to stop, like, how can you still believe that, right? At some point you have to just look at what's going on and see some of the absurdities and also see some of the cruelty in it, right? See some of the cruelty and the lack of people are talking about compassion and empathy and caring about people. It's like, dude, look at the, expand your lens a little bit. As if it's, we've been acting as if COVID is the only disease that exists, only thing that can kill people, et cetera. Like what about the effects of these policies? What's this done to people's physical health? mental health, what's happened to suicide rates and depression rates, what's going on with people's uh, well-being financially, how many businesses across the USA, across the world have been shut down permanently, and what are the effects on that, on employees, on business owners, et cetera, on the inflation, how many people are going to die, how many people, I think I saw something saying over 200 million people have been plunged into poverty over the past year and a half on a global level, 
right? All of this to apparently combat a virus that has a 99% plus survival rate in the vast, vast, vast majority of the population. In many cases, well over 99.9% if you're talking about young and healthy people. And this doesn't make sense. And also the policies, to this day, there's no solid evidence that lockdowns have helped to reduce deaths, right? There's no solid evidence that masks work in terms of actually stopping a spread of a virus. And there's not a lot of logical thinking going on, right? Like you can't <laughs> spread a virus you don't have. So even if, even if you had a mask, like a properly well-sealed mask that actually could help stop virus particles, it would only make sense to wear them if you are sick. And actually, if you're sick, you shouldn't really be out and about anyway. So this notion that like, if I don't have COVID and you don't have COVID, like us sitting here wearing masks is totally asinine, right? If you're healthy, if you're not sick, then wearing a mask is asinine. It doesn't even make sense. And then the masks people are wearing for the most part, they're not wearing them properly and they're not even wearing proper, properly sealed masks to begin with. They're wearing, they're wearing like funk filled bandanas. <laughs> dude, it's just, it's just a charade. It's just, it's just performance oh, art. It's theater. And people have become so attached to these. Performance art. That's good. Yeah, people like are just, it. it's, it's a huge game of charades. This is the biggest emperor has no clothes situation on a global, a national and a global scale ever. And those who point it out are going to be called all types of names. Personally, I don't care about that. I've dealt with that for many, many years. And I'm like, whatever. But if you just look at it logically and rationally and detach the emotion, then, I mean, there's no limit to the absurdity. So you can sit here for, we can give like dozens and dozens and dozens of things that don't make sense and that haven't made sense and that are contradictory, that are nonsensical, that don't make any, are not very non-scientific. And this is the thing. And I'd love to not even, it's such a weird issue because- Firstly, we're, we're, we're pretty much through it, right? In terms of the actual threat, in terms of the actual pandemic threat at this point now in August, 2021, it's, it's very, very low, right? Everyone who wants to have their, their injections has gotten them, which is largely, you know, the vulnerable people, um, the, the death numbers and the hospitalization numbers are very low, especially compared to other things. When I left the UK, COVID was the 26th cause of death. Back in July, 26, but what's getting 90% of the media attention, right? You're talking like two, three deaths a day. You've got places where they're literally zero deaths a day and people are still like more lockdowns, more masks, more. I'm like, dude, you're never going to get out of this cycle, right? If you take somewhere like Australia or New Zealand, and again, it blows my mind that millions of people there actually support their policies they're doing. They're, they're in a perpetual cycle. If you lock down every time you get a case, then you can't go back to normal right? That, that never ends. It literally never ends because they're not, they haven't been letting people out or in the country, right? So what happens, what's the exit plan here, right? You're going to just never let people out or in again because this disease is going to be endemic, just like cold and flu. So if the logic is, okay, we just shut down every single time there's a case, then it's like, okay, you're still going to be there in the year 2050, having these rolling lockdowns going on forever. And as we've seen, even in countries with high vaccination rates, you can, people can still catch it. People can yeah, still look spread at it. Israel. Exactly. I mean, those guys are in real bad shape. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, <clears throat> well, this, this will never end. And my point all throughout has been, 
my, my point has been very, very simple. It's been the same as it, the same thing everyone claimed they believed in in 2019, right? It's just, look, we all assume risk every day. There's a risk to everything, risk to absolutely everything. Every time you get in a car, you're taking, honestly, you're taking a bigger risk statistically than there's no young, healthy person who really is like freaking out every time they get in a car, but that would make more logical sense than freaking out for yourself over this particular virus, if we're talking statistics, right? Yeah. Um, but people don't think like that. If you're looking at children, the flu literally kills more children than COVID does. This, thank God, this thing barely affects kids. Hey, you brainiacs. Did you know that the world's smallest and most mobile molecule is hydrogen and that it can rapidly diffuse into cells, mitochondria, and fluids throughout the body? Well, this is the basis behind Water and Wellness's active H2 molecular hydrogen. I've been using this stuff every day for years because it's great for mental clarity, energy, liver health, detox, recovery from inflammation, and to be honest, a ton of other things that are currently being researched. There's something like over 100 publications on human trials using molecular hydrogen as a therapeutic agent. I would say my top application for this particular supplement is for long drives and especially for flights, man. I keep these effervescent tabs with me all the time when I'm on the go. And some of the studies I mentioned surround metabolic syndrome, which is why Water and Wellness also offers active H2 and Chromax, because with the addition of chromium, this stuff is poised to give your metabolism an incredible boost. So that's cool news, right? Well, what's even cooler is that right now, Water and Wellness is offering 20% off off two or more bottles of Active H2 Ultra or 20% off two or more bottles of Active H2 and Chromax. Now, you can also get 10% off all their products, including the Quinton Water Minerals, which are also a part of my daily arsenal, when you go to waterandwellness.com story and use the code STORY10. So again, just get yourself over to waterandwellness.com slash story, and you're looking for the Active H2 Ultra, the Active H2 Plus Chromax. Really great products. I know you're going to love them. Well, one good thing about this whole thing is that we've totally eradicated the flu and common cold. <laughs> nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at some you know, scientific graph the other day and it's like flu cases. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, no and I actually posted that on Twitter a while ago to my two followers. And, um, <laughs> and then someone like, you know, I guess rebutted that and we're mm. like, that's because of masks. And I'm just like, oh my God. It's amazing. So I'm always interested in the human psyche mm. and motivation. And even the conversation we're having is a little out of context for stuff that I normally talk about. I sure. talk about spirituality and meditation and health and all the things, but because I think early on, I realized this was veering into health mm. that I was able to kind of find my voice with it and kind of break, uh, break form in terms of the content I cover. I've never talked about politics or anything like that. Cause I've never been interested in it. It's kind of just, you know, same agenda, different face, whatever, just yeah. mind your own business and try to live your life. But going back to the piece you were talking about earlier, I wonder, and I've always wondered what it is about a certain personality type that so willingly surrenders their autonomy and common sense and intellectual discernment to authority, mm -hmm. right? And going back to that, the dichotomy of these kind of two disparate groups of people that just see things 
in their reality so differently, right? Mm-hmm. And someone who is encouraging what they're doing to the poor people in Australia, like, no, it's for their own good. Yeah. Like, I wonder what it is about some of us, like like-minded people, you and I have a very, you know, similar kind of point of view on so many things where we're just sort of like, I'm going to stay healthy, take care of myself, do my best to contribute positive energy into the world to contribute more than I take. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure we're imperfect at it. I'm speaking for you too, (laughs) you know, but I mean, you know, no one's like that virtuous, right? But it's like, this is my life, right? Like God gave me this body and this consciousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I really believe in karma. Mm -hmm. And there were, you know, there's long periods in my life where I did a lot of messed up stuff and I've, I've been repenting and making up for it. Hopefully I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in the credit side of that equation now at this (laughs) point, you know, in my life, but I've just kind of always been someone who just doesn't blindly believe anything I'm told. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly not interested in surrendering the free will that the creator gave me Mm -hmm. to some ambiguous power you know, mm-hmm. but yet people are, there's some people seem to be more susceptible to fear. And I wonder yeah. what it is about some of us humans that just so quickly and so willingly go, okay, I give up, take care of me, daddy. Yeah. And just, yeah. you know, give their, their, their rights and their sovereignty over to these, um, the powers that be these, these different government and medical <laughs> agencies. I think there are a lot of, a lot of factors to it. A lot of factors. And something you said, which struck me is you mentioned God and the creator a couple of times. And I think there's certainly a religious element to it in multiple ways. Um, And this is not to say that all atheists or non-believers think in any, in any given way, but certainly if you believe in God, whatever concept someone has of that, then that becomes the highest authority right in the absence of that it's not rare for that highest authority to become either the self or the state this is a pattern you mentioned before, nailed it bro before that's, you right? that's it before you mentioned you you mentioned Ta-da. you mentioned hitler you mentioned mao you mentioned stalin yeah. right those guys were very anti-religion intentionally because they didn't want competition right it's very hard to get people to worship the state if you, if they worship God, right? If they have a strong religious belief. So that is certainly an element. And I think that there are a lot of religious elements of what's been happening with what I call the, the, the COVID cult, right? It's not, people keep saying science, 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 and trust the experts, but it's not actually scientific, right? It's, it's you know, dogma. It's dogma. They get mad when you ask questions. They get mad when you point out the logical flaws and fallacies, et cetera. So I think that's a part similarly linked to it. And I have been thinking about this a lot is I don't, you know, I I don't know if you do this, but I imagine you're someone who's quite in touch with the concept of your own mortality. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, I think about it every day. I'm very in touch with my own mortality. Right. And (laughs) I think that's very mentally healthy. Yes. So do I practice. So do I. And I think that not everybody is, I think, I think they've been confronted with it for the first time, not because this virus is particularly deadly, but I think it's forced people to think about death and mortality. And that's really, really freaked a lot of people out. And I think also that, again, that's a maybe links to the first part, which is that if one simply believes that life is just this moment we have here on earth, then absolutely everything that can potentially 
extend or preserve or protect it, perhaps they feel must must be done. Um, and they're willing to use the power of the state to do that. So I think that's a factor. Then I think some of it on a less sort of religious or spiritual level comes down to personality traits. Um, I Again, I've noticed that people who are lower in neuroticism, I think we've really <laughs> found out like the the neuroticism split here in personality, right? If you're low in neuroticism, then you're less susceptible to negative emotion, whether that's fear or anger or whatever it is. And some people are just, I'm very low in neuroticism. So it's really hard to like freak me out about anything, but some people are very high in neuroticism. So they get more anxious. They're more susceptible to fear. doesn't matter if it's Trump or it's climate change or it's Brexit or it's this or the world is, they're just easier to scare. And so that's certainly a fact. And I think fear is also addictive. We always think of addictive emotions being things like, I don't know, joy or happiness or pleasure. But people can really get addicted to fear as well. And we've got millions of people now who are really caught in this loop of fear, right? You show them information or data showing them that they don't need to be as afraid as they are. You even give them certain stats and they will get angry at you and they'll shift the goalposts, right? If you tell them the deaths are low, they'll tell you that the cases are high. If you tell them that um, uh, you know, less, less people are dying, they'll start talking about you know, long-term effects. Like, why do you, well, it's not just about deaths. It's about long, long COVID and long-term effects, right? Which again, all this stuff they never cared about before because they were never told to. I mean, long-term effects from a virus have always existed, whether you're talking flu or cold, et cetera. Um, if you give them information on, you know, people, they want to remain scared, right? Every, everything in the narrative wants them to keep them scared. And I think people have also made it their identity and it's become very tribal. It's become this thing where almost <laughs> to show you're a good person, you're supposed to be afraid of, you're supposed to be terrified of COVID. You're supposed yeah. to wear your mask forever, get your shots, scream at everyone else to get their shots and wear like the more fear you display now in this weird tribe or cult, as I call it, that that's like virtue points to you. The more afraid yeah. you are, if yeah. you're not scared, people get mad at me for not being afraid. <laughs> me too. Right? Like, right? They, 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 they'll get mad at you. Yeah. And it's like, why are you not as afraid as I am? Like they want you to be afraid yeah. and to, to be a part of it. So I think people have really wrapped their identity in this thing. It's gone on for so long. I think the isolation has also helped with this because when people are isolated, they do go a little bit loopy, right? I mean, if you want to really, really punish a prisoner, they're already in prison. You put them in solitary confinement. Human beings are social creatures. We're meant to be out. We're meant to be seeing each other's faces. We're meant to be talking. We're meant to be touching, hugging. All of these policies have been so antisocial. I think very few people have spoken about just how much of an effect that has. I often hear people say things like, um, you know, well, well, even if masks like aren't that effective, like what's the downside? And I'm like, what's the downside to everyone covering their face? all the time. Like you can't think of how that's not good for a society, right? Um, you know, we have a high trust society, communication, us communicating right now, the fact that I can see your face and you can see mine and we can see each other's expressions. It's a core part of communication. You've got children now who are struggling to learn to speak properly, toddlers, because they haven't been seeing people's mouths for such a long period of time. You're having all the students having their uh, socialization stunted. You're um, simply <laughs> there. There, there are so many things to it. I mean, beyond, Dude, beyond the fact people uh, are just yeah, go ahead. hearing impaired people. Like yes. I'm. I, I you know I'm not gonna. 
I'm not going to disrespect truly hearing impaired people, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm fairly hard of hearing, especially in one ear, probably about 40% out. Mm. And when this started happening, I realized like, I don't understand anyone. And it came to my awareness that I read lips. Yes. Right. And just micro expressions. Mm-hmm. And I communicate for a living, yeah. right? Like we're doing. And I was like, oh shit. What about people that are actually deaf? Mm-hmm. And no, and people don't think about that. That is so brutal, yeah, man. People don't think and about I've actually that. communicated with a couple of deaf people during mm. this. And I'm just like, mm. I mean, I'm not wearing a mask. People yeah. that came to work on the house and things like that. One guy in particular. And I was like, you can take your mask off. Mm. He's like, oh, thank you. And I didn't have mine on. Yeah. And he could understand me. Yeah. You know, but I. Yeah. Oh, Listen, man. And just, and just the, you know, the, 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 the socialization, man, hanging out with your yeah. friends, seeing your family shaking people's hands, hugging, talking, just all of that stuff. It's very hard to quantify. And I think, we, again, we live in the era of people want everything to be like data and empirical and science, 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 right? And it's like, yeah, there is science behind this, but it's hard to quantify the socialization, that that social aspect is very hard to quantify. You can't sort of count it in the same way you can with some other facts and figures. Yeah. It's a but, subjective quality of life yeah, sense that you have as an individual. Exactly. But it's very, very real. Anyone who's been isolated for even a couple of days, you know, it's not, it gets, it, it's weird. Like you, you start going weird and some people have been like that for essentially forced for months, year plus on end in some cases, there's places that have essentially been locked down for a year now essentially for a year. So we're out here being normal, but there's people who literally for over a year, like they've been in that lockdown mode, you know, masks and sanitizing and not seeing people, not really talking to neighbors, not just not talking to people, but being fearful of each other. Yeah. Right. People have been trained. Mm -hmm. No, you're everyone around you is a threat. Everyone's a threat. Your family's a threat. Don't talk to your family. They're a threat. Don't talk to your neighbor. They're a threat. Don't talk to, absolutely don't talk to strangers. In fact, if you see them on the street, maybe walk to the other side. What is that doing to people's psyche, right? The social fabric to me is so important. It's so important. When you start seeing people viewing each other just as a threat, that's, that's dangerous. And that leads to (laughs) where we are. It leads to where we are now, where you've now got people talking about, you know, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated as if they're like these two disparate groups. And one of them is scary and deadly and sharing, uh, you know, dangerous and spreading disease. And the other is, you know, good and clean and healthy and whatever. And people are literally advocating for policies for, oh, you know, they, this group should not be allowed in restaurants and cinemas and gyms. Maybe they shouldn't even be allowed in grocery stores and we shouldn't allow them on planes or trains either. When in history has that kind of segregation ever been a good idea? We've had viruses forever, forever. Our entire lives, viruses have been around. And no one ever floated this concept of, oh, if you are not even if you have the virus, right? just if you haven't uh, taken a specific shot against it, which, by the way, is therapeutic and doesn't necessarily stop you from giving it to other people, then you're supposed to, you know, well, we, sh- we should just cast you out of society. I mean, it's it's bonkers, um, but it's been a totalitarian tiptoe. It's been very, very, very slow and gradual boiling that frog, frog slowly. And that's how we've ended up at this point now. And again, it's weird because some people are fully locked into that, whereas other people are just like, oh, like normal life is just normal. Um, And my concern is really about the, my concern is really about where that could go if it's, if it's pushed too far. That's my concern. I mean, 
What I find really interesting about that tiptoe is how many people are completely out of touch with not so distant history. Right? I mean, it's 2021, mm-hmm. 1930s Germany was just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this is not something we're looking at in ancient history, you know, in ancient Egypt or Sumeria even. I mean, yeah. we're talking about like my grandparents who mm-hmm. are all now deceased, but they were alive, mm-hmm. right? And my mom was actually, both my parents were born in 1942, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of World War II. And it's like, I don't know if it's, if it's purposefully left out of school or what, but I was a horrible student, hated school, dropped mm-hmm. out of high school. I mean, I don't, I didn't know. I don't know anything about history really compared to an educated adult. Mm. And I even know like, okay, this is the way this has gone historically. I yeah. mean, all of the touch points of like how this incrementally starts to roll out, it always ends up the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, going back to that, you know, like an identifiable dictator it's like they they have a different flavor, right? They they're super left or they're super right, mm-hmm. but ultimately, like the destination at which they arrive is everyone gets fucked, yep, and a lot of people die, yep. You know, one hundred million people conservatively mm-hmm. have died at the hands of their government in mm-hmm. the last one hundred years, mm-hmm. and a lot of people deny that. I'm fifty. That's twice my lifetime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, and not to be doom and gloom. I mean, no. we're gonna we're gonna turn it around, guys. You know, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. give you some hope. But I'm just I'm just over here sometimes going like, wake up, like mm. what? Mm. You know, sounding the alarm. Oh, I think there's a lot of this can't happen here mentality. Right. I think people are still having right. that. I think even tons of people in. I mean, I tweeted the other day something about um, Australia, and someone literally said that. Uh, Australians have just as much freedom as Americans. They don't have a second amendment. I was like, bro, <laughs> you can't go outside, bro. Yeah. Right. Like, what are you even talking? Like there's this level of denial and cognitive dissonance right. and people always like to think that can't happen here. People assume that history is just in the past. People forget that we are living through the history of the future. Okay. So I'm, I can assure you that if you went back to Germany in 1900, none of them would have fathomed that what could have happened in the 1930s and 40s was going to happen. Of course not. Right. And at the nine, in the year 1900, no one was like, okay, over this next century, hundred million people are going to get slaughtered by their governments in the name of various political ideologies. Like, no, they were like, no, look at how advanced we are compared to those people back in 1850 and 1800 and 1700, et cetera. Right. So we're here in 2021 thinking we're all advanced and smart and we've got all these cool gadgets and whatever. It's like, dude, we're the same stupid people we've always been. We're no smarter than our ancestors. We have better stuff. We have better access to information. And that is the key, that access to information. But it's pointless if you can't analyze it and take lessons from it. The point of learning history is not just to know what happened in history. It's to understand the psychology behind it. Mm, The patterns. Yeah, Yeah. the, the patterns and to prevent certain things happening again. You know what? For thousands and thousands of years, human beings thought it was a good, fine and moral idea to enslave each other, right? To, to just have human beings as your slaves who just work for you and you can beat them, you can kill them, you can rape them, you can do what you want. If they try to run away, you can like, you know, do whatever. You just own them. Thousands of years, way beyond, you know, when people think of slavery, they always think of the USA. It was a global phenomenon. Thousands and thousands of years, people thought it was fine. And now we look back at that and we're like, okay, we learned that lesson. Like, that's terrible. 
no one's out here like, you know, trying to like, yeah, let's bring that one back. Right. You (laughs) know what I mean? I've yet to meet a proponent of slavery. Exactly. Right. You know, it doesn't matter where they are on the political spectrum. No one's trying to bring that back. And that's good, right? That's a lesson learned. We learned over time, you know what, like treating people differently based on their immutable characteristics. That's wrong. Right racism is wrong. Like we shouldn't be like, oh, that person has that skin color or they're from that place. Let's, let's physically hurt them or let's treat them as a lesson. Again, like great lesson learned, took a freaking long time to learn it, but great. There we are. And so these are lessons learned from history. So this is, that's the way that we are sort of better than our ancestors and that we can take the lessons, we can study them and take those lessons and be like, okay, let's not, let's keep the good stuff, right? Let's maintain the good stuff. And let's jettison the bad stuff. And I think there's that danger of getting to a level of so much comfort and arrogance of just thinking like, oh, well, we're just so far evolved and all that stuff that happened in the past that can't happen again. Like it's impossible, whatever. It's like, dude, I mean, it's happening right now in other places around the world, right? There's like 2 million plus people in freaking concentration camps right now in China. North Korea exists, which is a giant concentration camp. Like there's a whole freaking... Holocaust going on there right now. Um, the Rwandan genocide was what less than 20 years ago, right? There's crazy stuff that is still happening and still happens. And it's a very sobering and quite a dark thought to think that, oh crap, like the stuff that happened in history could happen again. And I understand why people don't want to think that way. Cause it, it also sounds very alarmist, but that's why I'm kind of like, look, like let's, let's nip it in the bud. Let's nip it in the bud. Because if you let that if you let that go and you just keep letting it play out because we're not, uh, you know, fundamentally different from our ancestors, those same things could happen. I mean, we've seen a lot of that same mentality when you're seeing things like people, you know, and it's, it's, it's fringe people saying this, but you know, some of them have blue check marks on Twitter. When you're seeing people saying things like, Oh, you know, um, you know what, if you, if you, if you don't get vaccinated, um, and you get COVID, you should be denied healthcare right? That's dark. Or when you're saying, you know, I hope I've seen people saying things like, oh, you know, I I hope the unvaccinated people like hurry up and die. So the rest of us can go back to normal life and stuff like that. Right. And that's dark. Like anytime you're in the position where you're wishing harm or death upon another peaceful human being, you're in, you're in a dark place, right? You're in a, you're in a very, very dark place, whether that's because you you disagree with their politics or you disagree with their religion or you don't like them. It doesn't matter how much you don't like or you disagree with someone. If you're wishing death upon them or you're hoping they get hurt, then you're not, you're not in a good place. And I think that with the narratives that are being put out there, especially because people are now being trained to view each other as a threat, that is dangerous because if you view somebody as a threat, you know, what can you do to a threat, right? It makes sense to, we, we try to, eliminate threats from our lives. Right. And so if someone can be trained to think that another human being rationally or irrationally is, is a threat to their very existence, which, which you, I'm sure you've seen that, right. You've seen, you go oh, on yeah. certain conversations, you know, like, Whoa, like these people are really, you should, you should see me walk through the airport with, with no mask. I've never oh, yeah. worn a mask in, man. in the airport. Good man. I mean, going through the TSA, TSA they wouldn't let me through. They're like, cool. Don't wear it. You're not coming yeah, in. I, like, right. well. <laughs> so I put on my fake ass little yeah. mask for a second, but yeah, I walk, it, it walked through. I mean, it depends what city though too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, walking through the airport and you see, it's like Moses parting the red sea. Really? People are just, 
like, whoa, oh, they wow. move out of my way. You know, it's just so, so strange. Yeah, it, it's weird. And so, and people also need to be aware that a small minority can really uh, control things. I mean, that's what's, that's what, what's happening, right? It's, yeah. as we said, most people are sane and reasonable and regardless of someone's position on whether it's, you know, masks or vaccines or whatever, most people aren't like there saying, you know, we need to lock these people up or this person should be hurt or whatever. Most people, most people aren't like that. But if even 10% of people are, then that's dangerous. That's dangerous, right? Like, cause it only takes a small minority who are very aggressive and vocal and I don't know, determined say to cause huge shifts in society. We've seen this many, many times. Sometimes it's, uh, I mean, some, sometimes it's, it's for good. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's nonsensical. Um, cause most people also are conflict averse. It's a big thing. Most people are conflict averse. So most people don't really want to get in the fight. I'm not particularly conflict averse, so I don't mind having little daily battles, verbal spars, whatever, in the name of trying to get people to, to think and to, you know, do, I don't know, put, put, put rational thought out there. Um, but most people would rather just not deal with it. Like you said before, you, you didn't consider yourself political before, right? And that's, that's fine. Most people are not hyper-political. But what, another thing that's happened is this past 18 months has forced people to think about how politics affects them. I mean, you can't shove it in people's faces any more, any harder than this, then by saying, oh, what, you live in California? Okay, you can't, you can't go outside. You, you, in fact, we're going to shut down your business. Um, you have to, you have to do this. You have to wear that. You have to do like, even if you didn't care about politics at all prior to 2020, you're suddenly seeing like, oh, wow, it does t- affect my life. Joe <laughs> Rogan said a similar yeah. thing, right? He was yeah. like, it just, the comedy company, you know, it directly impacts you, slaps you in the face uh-huh. like that. And you're like, wow, okay, it does matter. I sent a group text to all my friends in California today. I was like, vote, yes, Gavin Newsom recall. I'm like, I'm not the guy that's, you know, suggesting how you vote or that you even do typically, but I'm like, I don't even live in California anymore. And I'm like, oh, I just love, that's my home state. I just love that state and the people there so much. I was like, man, you got to get this guy out. Yeah, it has has an effect. That's the thing. It it has, And maybe during peacetime, you don't really notice it so much. But then when a crisis hit, what hits, whether it's real or it's fabricated, then you suddenly see, you suddenly see the difference. So you can look on a state by state level, country by country mm-hmm. level. I mean, there are some places in the world where I would, man, I, I would not want to be in right now. I would really, really not want to be in. And I feel genuine sympathy for people who are stuck in certain situations. And another thing that, um, you know, something, something else that's happened is like people haven't really thought about the, the, um, impacts of well, a lot of, a lot of people have, but many people haven't thought enough about the impact of the policies. So throughout a lot of these conversations, when you're talking to people, especially people, people who are more like neurotic and worried about say the virus itself, they often don't think about the impact of the policies. They speak as if, as if the you know lockdowns and mask mandates and business closures, et cetera, you know, distance learnings for kids, taking people out of work. They act as if these don't have real and serious ramifications, right? And that's the thing. I think you have to understand that everything is a 
firstly, everything in politics is always a trade-off, right? And people aren't really thinking about that. They're saying when you, that's when you get people saying things like, oh, well, if it saves one life, it's worth it. Hmm. You're like, what? Imagine if you set policies like that in general. Firstly, let's reduce the speed limit to 30 miles per hour on the highway, right? That'll save way more lives than any of these lockdowns or mandates or what, like undeniably, it'll be saved plenty of lives, but you understand that, okay, but that has other consequences. If you reduce the speed limit to 30 miles per hour, what are the, what's the impact on the economy? What's the impact on people's lives? What's the impact on the environment? Like there's a lot of things, I can't even predict them all, that would fall out from doing that. Firstly, I could probably, no one would get to work on time. And so that'll have a massive impact on the economy. And if you impact the economy negatively, that actually leads to more poverty, which can lead to more deaths, et cetera. But if you just have this myopic focus of like, okay, we just gotta, we just gotta get this one number down and do whatever needs to be done to do it. Screw people's civil liberty. You've literally heard that Arnold, screw your freedom. Whoa. Like since when's it been so cool to just flippantly throw away freedom? People used to fight for freedom. Now they're fighting to, to give it up and to have it taken away from people. So I hope at this point, and I do see this happening, which makes me more optimistic, is more people can just look up and think reasonably. Because when people are caught up in emotion and fear, it shuts down critical thought. It shuts down critical thought. You really saw this back. Remember when everyone was buying toilet paper? The heck was that? <laughs> right? Was that how was that rational or reason? Right? Toilet paper of all yeah. the things you're stockpiling. Yeah. There's a oh, oh panda buy all the toilet paper like what yeah. like if you got if you got if, if, i i remember thinking if you don't have any food you're not going to make any poop to have to waste <laughs> and that you was a like, food to need toilet paper you know what it I was mean? a global phenomenon toilet yeah. paper gone in the uk gone in Germany, you guys had it gone too? in you yeah Oh, right? funny. This is the thing, right? I thought it, it was just like a Walmart no, consciousness kind no, of thing. No, no, okay. no. This is the thing. So this shows, I use, and people have conveniently forgotten about this. I have a long memory. So this shows how irrational people are, right? And then, but I think at this point now, more and more people can look up. And even if they were initially, you know, worried or panicking or whatever, then they can look at it at this stage, 18, 19 months later and be like, okay, you know, we're in a different situation now. We have all of these trillions of data points from around the world. There's, uh, you know, vaccines available to people who want them. And, you know, most of the vulnerable people have taken them. Um, there's other treatments available. The, uh, you know, we, we were at a whole different stage. The, this, the, the world now is, we're not in the same position we were in in February, 2020. So let's stop pretending that we are. You know, like people want the Delta variant, Lambda variant, like how he's going to go through the whole alphabet and keep coming up with new variants. It's like, look, guys, the disease is going to be endemic. We just got to get to Omega and then everything will be back to normal. Then you go back to the beginning. Then you start like, then you start having like Alpha, Phi, Kappa. Yeah. You start concatenating them like uh, sororities and fraternities. What do you think uh, is at the root of your like resilient and positive attitude. You know, when I, when I hear you speak, I, you know, I watch your interviews and stuff and I'm like, my presumption is that you must've had great parents. I do. You seem like just a very balanced, healthy, emotionally and mentally healthy person. Were your mm. parents both present and in your life and had their act together? They, they still are. Yeah. They still are. Thank God. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've got a wonderful family, amazing parents, amazing siblings. Um, and also I, I know my purpose. I very much know my purpose in the world. Um, my goal is to 
have a positive impact through my words and my works on millions and millions of people through my music, my writing, my speaking podcasts, interviews like this, any talent and ability that I have to me, it's my ethical duty to maximize that and then to maximize my reach with it. And that always, that's just like a permanent fire burning in me. Every single thing I do. I mean, that's literally the filter I run things through. It's like, okay, I get an opportunity and offer someone an email, whatever. I'm like, all right, does this move that needle closer to that goal? Yes, it does. Right. Okay. Um, you want to have this conversation? Cool. All right. We're going to reach, I don't know how many thousands of people with this. Hopefully someone can take something from this and it impacts them in some positive way and it makes some shift. So that's, that's what drives me. That's really, really what drives me. And it keeps me, it keeps me motivated. It keeps me fighting. People are always like, oh man, how do you deal with the negativity? I'm like, dude, it's whatever. Like it's just a little blip on that road. And the amount of love is a hundred times any negativity that I, that I receive. And it also matters more because the people who tend to criticize me or, you know, call names or whatever, they don't, they don't know me. They're not familiar with my work. They don't really know what I'm about. They just see one tweet and they're like, oh, I don't like that one tweet. So I'm going to attack this guy. It's like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, folks, I've got another incredible discovery to share with you. The red light Lumi bulbs from Blue Blocks. I use these bulbs at home and even pack them in my suitcase when I travel. They come in a very sturdy little box that makes them very durable and travel friendly. These bulbs only emit red light, so they've got zero blue, green, yellow, and orange. Just pure red light, which is of course optimal for melatonin production and sleep. The important thing to remember is regular bulbs not only contain super whack blue light, but they also flicker. Flicker is bad as it can cause neurological issues like headaches, migraines, and even photosensitive epilepsy. Blue Blocks added a little converter into the bulb switchboard that turns the current from AC to DC, and this lowers the EMF and reduces the flicker to almost non-existent levels. These red bulbs are also non-dimmable as dimming a light will increase flicker and EMF rates, which is not cool, of course. So when you get these Lumi sleep bulbs, I recommend that you use them in lamps rather than overhead fixtures as our ancestors would have only seen red light from the ground, such as a firelight from campfires. If you're ready to get rid of that blue light and light up your space with red light at night, here's what you do. Go to blueblocks.com slash lifestylist. And if you use the code lifestylist, you'll save 15% off. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com slash Luke. And again, the code is lifestylist. You know what I notice about a lot of the the very critical kind of trolling types mm. uh, online? And I don't know them personally, but you know, I'll take a peek at their public profile. Mm-hmm. It seems that often the people that are most critical of others are people that are not building yes. or haven't built anything themselves. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. And because there's someone like you that has a certain public profile because you're grinding and you're putting in work and you're, you know, you're building a platform and mm-hmm. creating a voice for yourself that, you know, you become a target for people who, you know, maybe on one level jealous because they just, they, they don't have it within their constitution or their character to build mm. something. I notice this a lot because there are a lot of, I mean, there's people that are kind of building platforms even on just trolling people. Mm. There's, there's one <laughs> that's, I think it's a podcast and like a social media, it's called um, conspirituality. Okay. And, and their thing is they kind of, 
they do these like really brutal um, takedowns of people that are in the health and wellness space and okay. people that are into spirituality, but also don't want to wear a mask or something, for example. Okay, okay. And, you know, I look at something like that and I'm like, you're building on top of you know, platforms other people have built, Mm -hmm, like you're mm -hmm. kind of piggybacking on someone who's already doing something in the world Mm -hmm. just to tear them down because you don't agree with their perspective. And, you know, not to say that whistleblowers and things like that don't have a place, but I I, I often find um, that I have a lack of respect or or the ability to take anyone seriously that Mm -hmm. hasn't really done something for themselves. No, you know, take criticism from people you take advice from. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Simple as that. Exactly. You know, I don't care what, you know, Joey one, one, eight, six, nine, seven on Twitter, <laughs> with three followers, you know, says it's probably like, it like a fake probably about to begin yeah, with, yeah, right. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. Right. And I also just accept that, look, not everyone's going to like me. Like I, you know, I do things a certain way. I have certain beliefs. I, I, I do a lot of things and, and, and I've accepted this for a long time. I make music right? There's no musician who everybody likes, right? There's, you can have the greatest musician out there, play their song, someone, someone's like, ah, that's trash. Other person's like, man, this is like the greatest band ever, right? It doesn't, that's just how it is. So people have different tastes. Um, And then of course there's the envy and jealousy aspect, which magnifies as you become more successful and it exposes, you know, it's, it's easier to attempt to tear somebody down than it is to build something for yourself. But as you've said, people who are builders are not haters, right? They're not haters. You'll never find someone who is successful and content and happy in life who spends all their time going around YouTube's thumbs downing videos and writing mean <laughs> comments and trolling people. I on mean, Twitter. you don't have time. No, even you don't if, have time. Even you, if my personality had that bent, I yeah. don't have time. To, I can't even like go on my own YouTube channel and yeah. respond to comments, you know, let alone no. troll other people. It's yeah. crazy. Look, I think most men are either busy building or destroying. It's kind of what, it's kind of what guys do from boyhood to adulthood. Men are normally building or destroying. And I think that's why as a man in particular, also as a woman, it's important to build and to create something. Cause if you don't, you may inadvertently find you are, I mean, the energy has got to go somewhere. And I think as human beings, as men in particular, right, we got testosterone, like we're warriors, we have a level of aggression and ambition and whatever. And that can be channeled in such a healthy and positive way to building a business or building a family or building a project, creating something, building a community or wrecking one. Because if you look throughout history, that's generally what guys do. Build and destroy, build and destroy, conquer, take over, you know, win, fight, lose, battle. It's why we like sports, right? It's, it's like a, it's a simulation of a war right? It's like, cool. Like it's another, it's another battle. It's just what happened, you know, build, destroy, build, score a goal, you know, destroy, like tackle block, you know? And that's just, I think that's how, how we're wired. And I think when people are not building something that's pos- a net positive for themselves and others, then there's a tendency. It's kind of hard to be neutral. I think similar, like with your body, mm-hmm. right? If you, if you stop exercising and you just eat, right? It's not that you stay the same. You regress. You go backwards. It's, you, it's hard to just stay neutral or even to stay neutral. You have to push forward to maintain your strength. You got to keep working out to maintain your fitness. You got to keep, you got to keep running. You got to keep training. You got to keep, if you, if you don't, it's not that, okay, you just, you just stop there. It's no, you, you go, you go backwards. 
So I think you've always got to be having your foot down on that gas to some degree. Otherwise, everything goes backwards. If you have a relationship and you're not constantly building, if you just leave it and you're like, okay, I'm not going to talk to that person again for 10 years or interact, like you don't come back and, oh, it's just the same. It's like, no, everything regresses. So you always have to be, you always have to be moving forward. I don't think there's really much of a neutral in life in that sense. Like it's, it's either you're, you're moving forward or you're regressing. Very true. Yeah. What would you say to people that are starting to wake up mm. and to discern that things are not as they appear, that, that, that we are being manipulated and there is coercion, you know, those people that have high empathy, right? Mm -hmm, Good people mm -hmm. that you spoke to earlier that maybe last year couldn't imagine that there were people that were power hungry and greedy enough to actually harm humanity on such mm -hmm. a large scale. And they're starting to go away. Even to me, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but this doesn't add up. Mm -hmm but they're afraid to speak out because of the condemnation or even the censorship they might face. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gone through this even myself. I, I mean, it didn't last long, but in the very beginning, I was kind of like, you know, watching people get deplatformed, yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to talk about meditation over here and just kind of lay back in the cut. <laughs> like I don't want to make any waves and, you know, yeah. lose my, you know, my ability yeah, yeah. to earn, earn a living. And then, you know, it's the worst it's gotten. I mean, I haven't focused on it, um, you know, exclusively, but yeah. I'm at a point now, like, I just don't give a fuck. I mean, I started a telegram channel. I'm on there yeah. all day, just bombing, bombing, you know? And I'm like, sometimes the thought will come like, dude, someone's going to see this. Yeah. And then, you know, you won't get a book deal or yeah. you're going to lose opportunities or, mm. or be but, judged but, but, or whatever. But, but for every one of those, you'll, you'll get another opportunity. Well, that's it's the thing, you know, happens. when I, when I finally, not finally, but very soon into this, when I made a decision that I'm willing to sacrifice any of what I perceive to be valuable mm. uh, because my heart is just, I can't be disingenuous and pretend like I don't have a point of view on this. Yeah, I have a yeah. point of view and I'm going to speak about it as yeah. intelligently and inform in an informed way as I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like just so brazen that I just get all of my shit deleted. Yeah, yeah. I have my way of kind of peppering in information, hopefully low key, but still enough to impact people. Mm. But um, I'm so glad that I did that. And now I'm even going even harder yeah. because I feel like the stakes are so high are. right now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, enough about me. That's all good. Back, back to the question is, you know, I know a lot of people when I started to speak out would, you know, DM me and even some prominent people mm -hmm. in my field and mm -hmm. were like, damn, bro, you got balls. I wish I could do that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, you can do that. There you go. Like you can do that. And I can speak. guarantee you by you doing it, you've encouraged other people to do the same. I As hope part so. Of that, absolutely. Guaranteed. That's why part of why it's so important because it emboldens other people. People don't want to be the first one to break the line or to stand out, et cetera. So by other people doing so, it kind of gives them the permission and the inspiration to do, do their little bit, you know? And like I say, I often tell people, look, not everyone has to do what I do or do what, do what you do. Not everyone needs to be in it that much, but if everyone can just be, you know, 10, 20%, more courageous and bold and willing to speak up. If you see something that's you know, going wrong, say something. You don't need to um, you know, go to some level where you're really, really freaking out about, oh, I'm going to get deplatformed or whatever, right? Like, but just if everyone collectively did that, because everyone, most people at this point know that something janky is going on, right? They're not really on board with this. Ooh, like vaccine passports, like show your papers to go. I don't know about that one. Even as someone who's like, even someone who's had both shots and 
that not a lot of people think you should be like forced or coerced to do that. Most people are not in favor of segregating people in this way. Like most people are not in favor of it, but they, they won't speak up enough. So if all those quiet people, those people DMing saying like, man, I wish I could like say, if you speak up in your workplace online, where, wherever it is, just do your little bit, even in conversations with friends, just, you know, break that thing. You'll often find by you saying something, other people will be like, yeah, actually I agree. I agree with you. Like you're, you're right. You know, cause that's the, it's, it's the winning argument. It's a, it's a better argument and it makes sense and it's logical, et cetera. But I think the first, the first thing people have to do though, is firstly understand that it's okay to accept that you were wrong on something or that you were naive or that your opinion has changed or whatever. People now think that you, you, you have to form one opinion and it, it can never now change, right? It's immutable. Even new data, new arguments, new facts. No, I'm sticking with the original <laughs> thing, right? And mm-hmm. so many people do that. I think it's to save face, maybe because of the ego or they're worried that someone's going to call them a flip-flopper or wh- whatever it is. But that's what intelligent people do. If you believe all the same things that you did 10 years ago, even, or you know, even one year ago, then you're not growing, you're not learning. So there's an element of humility of just being like, you know what, like, I was, I was wrong on that thing. And, I, and it, it's, it's hard to do. Like, no, we all like being right. Nobody wants to be wrong. People don't want to really change their mind. So that, that's the first thing, just having that level of humility to be willing to do that. And then, like you said, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of that. You, you sort of subtly said this is you can kind of start small, right? Start small. Just say, you know, even if it's in private conversations, right? You're talking with your friends, you're talking with your family. You're like, mm, you know what? Like, have you seen this thing? Or share an article or here, here's another perspective on this. What do you think? Just open that conversation up to get people thinking. And then as time goes on, you'll find that firstly, you'll find that your fear is not as valid as you think it is. People think, oh my gosh, you say one thing on Instagram or Twitter and you're, you're, you get deep. It's like, dude, the, the level of fear is I have big problems with censorship and deplatforming and stuff like that. That's another conversation. But the level of fear people have around it is overblown, just like the level of fear people have with COVID is overblown, right? Yes, there is a concern, but it's not as simple as people were, people were the same with Trump and Brexit. They're like, oh my gosh, like if, uh, you know, I, I, I voted for Trump, but if somebody finds out, then, you know, I could lose my job. It's like, you think you're going to lose your job because you voted for Trump? Like, where are you working? Huh. Where, like that, just that would, I mean, that's an overblown I mean, if you're working somewhere that would literally fire you because you voted for one of two major candidates, then you should go find another workplace because that's deeply intolerant. Um, but in 99% of cases, that's not, that's in someone's head. That's not reality. Like they think people will have their, most likely someone will be, there'll be another couple people who are like, oh yeah, so did I. Or there'll also be people like, oh, okay, I don't like him, but you know why? Like, what's the reason? Like most people aren't that unreasonable. You know, you get these crazy people on Twitter and YouTube or whatever, but most people are decently respectful and empathetic. And what, even if they disagree with you, they're not going to want to just like kick you to the curb or cast you out or whatever. I mean, so I just think I encourage conversation. I encourage conversation, you know, challenge questioning of something, like I said, something doesn't make sense or something that you see, which you think is wrong then, then say something, you know, say something. You don't need to make it your life mission. You don't need to be out there every single day building a whole platform or whatever off of this. But if we can all just be a little bit more bold and a little bit more courageous, then I think 
society in general will move in a much better direction. And I, again, I think because we've, we've been so pampered for the past several decades. I mean, if you live in the modern Western world, like no wonder we're reacting like this to a virus with a, you know, so deadly that the population grew last year. I mean, it's like, <laughs> think back to previous pandemics, right? That's good. Right? Th- That's think back good. to previous pandemics. Yeah. Like you were talking about like 30, 40, 50, 60% death rates from certain diseases, bubonic plague, Spanish flu. It's a men, women, children, left, right, and center dying. Everyone's losing family members, people. But that created strong people, right? If you look World War I, World War II, how many men, how many young men died? fighting for people. And when you, when you think of World War I, World War II, I mean, some of these guys are 18, 19, 20, 21, going out fighting in war, landing on D-Day, like pff, machine guns firing. And they're like running out there. Like, and now people are like, ah, you know, 99.9% survivor. Like, where's my mask? Where's my blanket? I'm like, dude, guys, like, where's that courage? This isn't saying like, be reckless and, you know, go out and try to, you know, get sick or make other people sick. No, but it's just like, Instead of trying to nerf the world all the time, try to make yourself more resilient. And coming back to what we primarily do and what we talk about, it's part of why we're big on health in general, right? Health in general, strengthen. There's been such little communication about how how do you make yourself stronger, right? Not just for this particular disease, but for all of them. What are the biggest killers, man? Um, Heart disease and various types of of cancer, um, large cardiovascular disease, many of which are largely linked to obesity in which you can do something mm-hmm. about. And not, and not to mention the one that is not always the third, but has been the third mm-hmm. and is usually in the top five, which is medical malpractice. Medical malpractice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one likes to talk about that. No one, one wants to talk about that. Yeah. But, but strengthen yourself, boost your immune mm-hmm. system, exercise, drink water, get enough sleep, actually socialize and en- enjoy your life. Go outside, get some sunlight. Take some vitamin D if you need it. Take some zinc if you need it. Just pretty, you know, basic things that will protect you to some degree against all of these ailments. Health is, like I said on the Rogan podcast, health health is holistic. It's not just where I'm asking, take a jab and shut up. It's like, well, I think no. that's to me one of the biggest red flags about the message of we're doing this for your safety, exactly, right? And with the whole. Uh, push for the shots and, you know, being motivated by free donuts. And I mean, I was just, after your talk the other night, actually, I I went across the street, totally coincidentally to get Mm. some bomb ass donuts. I was on a gluten spree. And uh, right when I sat down, there was a radio ad that was like, go get your vaccine now, get your vaccine now and get a free HEB gift card. Yeah, I'm just like, Okay, cool. Like for people that want to do that and you want to get your groceries for free, that's great. But mm-hmm. like, why isn't the government sending vitamin C tablets or as you would say, vitamin C tablets to everyone, you know? <laughs> like, why isn't everyone getting, I saw maybe a tweet the other day. It was like, maybe a Cernovich going like, how about give everyone a Peloton bike? Yeah. You know, it's like, if they really cared, then why wouldn't there be emphasis on general health and teaching it's people profit motive, how to huh? avoid you know, obesity and yeah. eat organic and just basic stuff that isn't even fringe health. Just yeah. take care of your, you know, your vessel yeah. and you'll be more resilient to everything. And I think yeah. the fact that there's just none of that, not mm-hmm. only is there none of that, there's also such opposition to people yes. like me in mm-hmm. the, I guess you could say alternative health space where people are getting deplatformed and mm-hmm. vilified and mm-hmm. called anti-vaxxers and crazy and snake oil salesmen and all this, because we're just going like, yeah, there's, 
the body does actually have an immune system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it's why is that controversial? You know? No, it, it, this is the thing, but it speaks to a deeper point in our society, which is this comes with that level of comfort. Like I was saying before, which is this push for um, the path of least resistance and everything. Getting in shape is hard. Eating right is, you know, it takes challenge. It's a challenge. It takes some discipline going to the gym, whether you're trying to build your muscle or build your endurance or just change your physique. It's, it's difficult, right? It's hard to strengthen yourself. Just like what we were saying before, it's hard to build something. It's a lot easier to tear down. It's, it's easy to wear them. Like people like the mask thing because it's easy. It makes them feel like they're doing, even if it's totally useless, right? And, and to this day, there's no strong, solid evidence that it's made any difference in terms of the mask mandates. Um, it's easy. And it, it, it provides not, not just a, it provides a visual virtue signal that you are, you're doing your part, right? I can guarantee you by you and I just simply being healthy, being our usual healthy selves, that has done more to protect us and stop the hospitals from being overwhelmed. And like, that's done more than people running around in masks. It's done more than lockdown, but we can't really like virtue signal off that. I can't be like, look at me. Like, I don't even use the NHS, man. I pay into the NHS. I don't, I haven't even used the thing for, I don't know how long because I'm in great shape. Right. But that doesn't get me any virtue points in this era. But if I just wore a mask and put in my profile picture, I hey, look at me wearing my mask everywhere. <laughs> all of a sudden, even though I'm not sick, right. All of a sudden I'm suddenly like a great person, you know, hashtag wear a mask, hashtag, uh, you know, take the shot, whatever. And now I'm a wonderful person. But if I talk about actually, you know, strengthening, boosting your immune system naturally or lifting weights or eating nutrition, all the stuff I've been promoting, by the way, for more than a decade, then, oh, I've even had people be like, oh, you're fat shaming. I'm like, bro, we're talking about a virus where 80% of the hospitalizations are people who are overweight and obese. And you're worried about me fat shaming, right? And that's another thing, thing that people don't want to talk about, right? The obesity impact, right? Because the truth is, even with this particular virus that everyone's obsessed with is to a large part, this is a it's kind of like a finisher disease, right? It's not a disease that will, in many cases, take someone who's like young and healthy and in good shape and has decades and decades of life ahead of them and just like kill them in the way that, I don't know, some types of cancer, for example, could, right? Or Ebola could. It's not like that. If you look at it, in every single country, the vast majority of people dying are people who are elderly with comorbidities, right? So this is a virus where if you're, you know, you're, old and, or you've got some serious health issues, then yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's far from a death. It's far from a death sentence, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a concern. It makes sense to take precaution, et cetera. And those are the people who resources, as I've been saying for more than a year should particularly go towards. Um, but it's there, there's things you can do. So if you, I mean, if, if I were, if I were very overweight and I saw, oh my gosh, like 80% of the people being hospitalized from this are overweight okay, I'm going to lose some weight, right? And, and God bless and shout out and congratulations to everyone who does that. Because there are people who have done that. Um, my own parents included, in fact, who are in their 60s and their 70s, right? So wonderful. My mom had diabetes, reversed it, wow. reversed it, right? Last year, she had been diabetic for five years, took care of her diet, exercise, totally reversed it. It's now in remission, doesn't take any more medicine since then. Um, and that's what happens when you, when you take the power into your hands that again, this doesn't mean that like you still can't, if you want to get the, the shot, you know, you can, you can get the shot if you think it makes sense for you, whatever other medicine you like, I'm 
open. I think anyone who wants to, my thing is just like the, 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 the freedom, right? My problem yeah. is with the coercion, the bullying, the shaming, the division of society, the segregation, all that, that's the stuff I have a problem with. I'm not even in the camp, but you know, I, I know there are people who think like the, the, uh, uh, injections themselves or, you know, vaccines. I don't really call them vaccines because they're not really traditional ones in the most part, but you know, I know there are people who think like, okay, like there's something particularly sinister about them or something like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. And I'm not in that camp. I'm just simply like, look, it should be, it should be just like every other medicine or every other medical procedure. It should be up to the individual. People can do their own risk analysis, weigh up their pros and cons, do the research. I'm for informed consent yeah, and I'm for people being allowed to make their choices and live I mean, their life imagine, as they see Imagine fit. if, you know, someone came to you and said, you have to take chemotherapy. Or if someone even came to you and said, you have to drink this whole bottle of cough syrup every mm-hmm. day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, even to take an aspirin, I'd be like, no, I, would, I, don't, need, I don't need an aspirin. Yeah, I'm, I don't, yeah, I don't really have a headache. Yeah. No, you have to take this aspirin. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's also at the, yeah. at the core of this thing is just, and that's why I'm like, yo, you got to wake up people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is no joke when it gets to that point. Yeah. Hey, it's, okay. Make like an experimental gene therapy available for people dude. who want it. Cool. But when you're starting to cut off basic life services for people and segregate them, like we got a serious, serious problem. Exactly. And I would fight for, you know, if there were, if, if the scenario were reversed and I don't know, companies or governments or whatever, were trying to say that, you know, if you are vaccinated, then, you know, you are not allowed in this restaurant or you're not allowed. Like if I would be fighting I'd be fighting the same fight. I'd be like, no, that's wrong. That's discriminatory. We shouldn't be, you know, people should be allowed to make those choices and you shouldn't be treating them different. Like it's, to me, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's, it's not the, uh, the, the, the vaccine is almost like not the point. It's the general principle and concept. And, and, and there's nothing more invasive than injecting something into your body, Right. And if the government can force you to do that or attempt to or coerce you, then, I mean, you're, you're a slave. You don't own yourself, right? If the government can force you to inject something into your body, they can make you do anything. Like, they can really make you do anything. Who's to say, I mean, what's the next hysteria that they want to push? Climate crisis, climate emergency, whatever. They could be like, okay. And this has happened before. China used to have a flipping one-child policy. The government told people how many children you can have. What if they start having and saying, oh, you know, we're to reduce the climate, people need to have less kids. Like, here, everyone needs to Or a family can only have one car. Yeah, exactly, you know, right? Like but, but, but even a car, that's, that's not as invasive. Like, that's, that's authoritarian. But, like, your body... Like, I, I remember being a kid. I remember when I was a kid, I learned in school about China's one-child policy, and I didn't have, like, the sort of political framework or historical knowledge to any extent that I have now. But I remember just in my gut being like, what? Like the government can like tells people how many children they have. And I remember (laughs) asking my teacher and being like, well, what if, what if someone has another? And I think the teacher was, I can't remember what they, can't remember what he said. Maybe he said something like, well, you know, they get rid of it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what they're like <laughs> you, right you're right yeah. i'm just like i was a kid i was like what yeah. i remember like, i remember was, thinking the same thing yeah and yeah. i and, and I, I was just like i just remember it striking me and i was like that like you know and, and i remember it because it was spoken about kind of like neutral it wasn't 
it wasn't spoken about like, oh, this is a bad thing. It was just like, yeah, you know, well, this is the population graph. And if people keep having children, then, you know, this, this and what. And I'm like, just fundamentally at my core, I was like, that's wrong. Like the government shouldn't be able to do that. Like no one should be able to like dictate how many children somebody has like that. It just, it just now, now looking at it and as I'm older, it's like, it strikes me even harder and I can articulate better why it does. But I remember even as a kid, just being like, man, that's nuts. But that's the thing. But th- this, this is the thing I'm very much like, I base a lot of things just off, off principle. And it's like the government has a certain role. The state has a certain role and the, the role isn't, this is a huge over, overstep. It's a huge overstep. If you're trying to coerce people or force people to do this just to live and go back to their normal life and get their freedoms back, then you could do that for anything. You could, you could literally do anything. I mean, then there's no, there's no limiting principle anymore. It's just like, okay, well, yeah, the population is getting too high. Um, okay. Well, you know what? We're going to just start sterilizing people. Like what would be the argument against that? If you, if someone is, if someone works, say cool with these mandatory vaccines and name of the, you know, the greater good or whatever, however they believe it is, what would then be their argument? Say that the population does really start booming or whatever. And, and it's like, oh, you know, we need to, what would be the argument against for sterilization? What, like, what would, what would be their line of argument? They, they don't have one anymore. They don't have one anymore. It's just like, well, it's for the greater good, I guess. Stop being selfish. Why do you want to have so many kids? Don't be selfish. Just take the shot. They make another three word slogan, you know? Yeah. Just have one. Just have one. <laughs> right. I, I, I already I, have the marketing I, I have, campaign starting. I, I have before. seen that one, by the way. I have I have seen that one. Or, you know, you've got the whole like childless, you know, just like child free movement, et cetera. So, you know, antinatalism is a is a real thing that already exists. But it's uh, and you know, it's they've said for decades, since the nineteen seventies, even in the USA, that the greatest threat to the world is overpopulation. There's people who truly believe that. Uh, Bill Gates himself, I think, believes that. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's gnarly because you have to think of what that what that means, right? Like, what, what does that? Who decides? Yeah, who goes? Yeah, right? exactly. And, we'll, and what, who decides who can procreate? I mean, that's that's serious God complex. That is like exactly you were stepping on the toes of God. Like, yeah. I I don't envy the karma that one has for stepping into that role. That's oh. that's diabolical. It's diabolical, exactly. Yeah. And and people need to be. That's where people need to be careful. You know, people need to really be careful with this. And again, we have examples from history of how this stuff, you know, forced sterilizations have been a thing in the past or people being, you know, forced abortions or whatever it is. And it's, it's dark. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about human lives. We're talking about individuals and their rights and their liberty, et cetera. And if there's one thing that you, you know, own, it's, it's your, it's your body, right? It's like, okay, like, I that's all you to, can really own. Yeah, I mean, if, honestly, yeah, you know? it's, it's like okay, if yeah. if I don't even own that, and someone can just uh, control, and then and then people make these ridiculous arguments by like saying like, oh well, you know, uh, you know, what about seatbelts or drink drink driving? I'm like, well, that's not. It, it's so disingenuous, right? Because people know it's not like it's a massively false equivalence. Um, by the way, I don't think it should be mandatory to wear a seatbelt, but. But again, people do their risk calculation. I don't think I don't actually think most people wear seatbelts because it's mandatory. I think it's because you know if you crash your car going at 60, 70 miles per hour, that um, like that's a different risk calculation to um 
you know, just living your life normally when there's like a bad flu going around. That's like, funny because I remember thing. when I was a kid in the seventies, yeah. it was very common for people to not wear seatbelts yeah. and also no helmets on motorcycles. Yeah. Like I remember riding around with my grandma, like I put a seatbelt on mm. in the old Oldsmobile, the old hoopty she had. Just, yeah. You just get in, you climb around, you're just playing around in there. Yeah. But then as I got older, the law was instated or had been probably by the time I started driving. And I remember being like, oh man, I don't want to wear my stupid seatbelt. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, you know, with a little bit of age and hopefully some wisdom, I mean, yeah. I would never drive anywhere without my seatbelt on now, yeah. but not because it's a law, but yes. as you said, because I'm not an idiot. I don't want to fly yeah. through the freaking windshield. I think the best thing you can do is give people information, right? Give people information. This, this is another thing that they've sort of skipped over with this thing, which, which makes people more skeptical about this whole um this whole vaccine rollout yeah right it's like they skipped over the let's properly inform people openly and honestly stage it went very quickly to okay let's offer it okay now let's like okay we're gonna have like weird incentives whether it's giving away cheeseburgers or hot dogs or doing million dollar lotteries or all this weird stuff which again to people who are already kind of like that makes us go like whoa, okay, like that's really weird. And then when it moves to, okay, we've, okay, now we're just moving straight to coercion, right? No jab, no job, no no restaurant access. Like we're going to threaten you. It's like, wait, what about just like giving people clear, honest information and then letting them make their own rational decision? Like some right. ingredients on the insert that comes with every other pharmaceutical medication. Yeah, just, I saw a nurse the other day open up one okay. of the packets and it's blank. Yeah. There's just nothing. There's no information on there. And you're expected and coerced to just take some mystery thing into your arm. Like, yeah. I mean, I've, I've read the, um, in the UK anyway, I can't remember which, it, whether it was the, the, I think it was the Pfizer one, you know, I think there was, there was the leaflet and I read the, no, I, I, I read, I read through all the stuff and it's just like, yeah, just give, give people that information, you know, give people real stats. Okay. Look, if you're, if you're 70 years old and you know, you get COVID these, this is the, you know, estimated probability you'll be hospitalized or you'll die, whatever the vaccine, you know, we've tested it and we, we think it, it brings it down to this level, whatever, you know, if you're, if you're 25 years old, honestly, you know, if you're 25, you don't have like probability, you shouldn't be worried about this thing, right? Like you should, you shouldn't be worried, let alone, you know, if you're 15 or you're, and they're trying to jab like 10 year olds now. I mean, like who are, who are you just trying, trying to, their survival rate's already like 99.999% and what you're trying to raise it to 99.999% or potentially, I mean, we don't know the long-term effects. That's just a fact. We don't know. We don't know. And that's why it should be a choice. Like if I were 80 years old and I had diabetes and I was overweight, I'd be like, yo, give me that shot. <laughs> right. But I'm 34, 35 actually now I'm in great shape and I've already had COVID. <laughs> so there's literally no logical reason. There's no scientific reason, no medical reason why someone like myself, it would make sense to take that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean I shouldn't be allowed to if I wanted to, but there's, there's no logical reason, right? And people aren't even thinking about this. They're just acting like one size fits all. Everyone's the same. 15-year-old is the same risk as an 85-year-old. Whether you've had it or you haven't had it, like, it doesn't matter. Like Just everyone should take the shot. And I'm like, that's not an honest that just reeks of, okay, this is a power grab. This is a money grab. You do not have our best interests in mind. And that makes people more resistant, more skeptical, et cetera. If I were in charge 
if I really, if I were like on the, I don't know, if I were like some person in public policy and my goal was to like promote the vaccine, shall we say, right? Or encourage people to get, my approach would have been totally, totally, totally different to this thing, right? Just as a communicator, right? Not just like, they've just, it's just been threats and threats and incentives, right? Not just like, look, here's what we're dealing with. Here, here's what's offered. Here are the different options. Here's on the table. Here's some data for you. You know, these are the risks also. Like, be honest about the risks, right? People are acting as if there's no side effects. Everyone knows people who've had vaccine side effects. We all do, right? Whether they talk about my, it. You see my telegram dude, feed, Dude, whether we talk, it's whether people talk about it openly or bananas. not, right? And it's like, be, be open about that. Don't just or people other, try to bury Or the it. other medications that have yeah. proven to be effective exactly. and been exactly. suppressed. That's another thing where I'm like, oh, it's for our safety. Exactly. Why are you silencing all these doctors and scientists <laughs> yeah. and nurses from around the world that are like, hey, I've been treating X amount of patients mm-hmm. and they're doing great using mm-hmm. this cheap, mm-hmm. and safe. If we, and if we say the word, we can't put this on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, know. This is, I just it, got a YouTube it, video deleted it's, today. It's insane, I felt man. so proud. I it's insane, like, you know? And, uh, you know, my family background is originally from Nigeria and, uh, you know, which continent has barely been impacted by this thing. Africa. Oh, wow. There's a continent of over a billion people, um, generally with much poorer healthcare and infrastructure than the entire West. And we're going to just act like it doesn't exist rather than taking some lessons from there and going, oh, the whole continent of Africa has had less deaths from this disease than England. Okay. What can we learn from that? No, we just don't talk about it. What, what else about, don't we talk what about? What about the, there was presidents from a couple. Oh gosh, like the Tanzanian president, yeah, et cetera. I think there were two like, others too. Yeah, I remember were. thinking, where's Black Lives Matter on this? Like, yeah. you know, that would be yeah, like Black presidents getting like suicided because they're not opting sketch. into the shot program. Definitely I'm like, sketch. where's the outrage here? You know, it's like. Definitely sketch. What else don't we talk about? We can't talk about China. Yeah, well, you'd be Have racist, you, dude. That would be. We can't talk about where the yeah. whole where the whole thing started. Yeah. The whole thing started. They've been. They went. They were rolling out vaccines in spring last year. What freaking vaccine was that? How did they have a vaccine? Like, what? What you're saying? You got only four thousand deaths in this whole thing from a one point three billion population epicenter of the disease. Four thousand. Four thousand deaths. Does that sound right? Oh wait. So you're telling me the USA has had six hundred thousand deaths. China had four thousand. Bruh. Like. There's so much janky stuff going on, right? It's just like, and if you had, if we had real yeah. journalists and more of them, they'd be the ones having these conversations. Like it yeah. wouldn't be, you know. It's up to knuckleheads like us. It's, it's, up, it's, up, it's up to the gym bros and the, the conspiracy theorists oh, and like, man. you know, the yoga chicks and whatever. And it's like, these are obvious. And, and it's like, the green so juicers obvious. had to come in and like really put the <laughs> hammer down, you know, to get the truth out there. Yeah. I want to ask you uh, about, you know, you've talked about virtue signaling. And to me, this is another fascinating social phenomenon. And I started to see these social justice warriors kind of emerge a few years ago that were really like hit their peak when mm. Trump got into office, you know, it was just everyone's outraged. And it's sort of like, um, it's like a, a sort of a competition for the biggest, the most virtuous person and the biggest victim mm. and who can be the most outraged as kind of a form of virtue signaling. Yes. And you talked about, you know, the mask and I see people, you know, posting photos of, the of them getting the shot or they get a tattoo of the, you know, Pfizer <laughs> bandaid on their arm and, <laughs> you know, and God, and God, and God bless you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm like, you do yeah. what you want, but you know, do you think that people that are really hell bent on showing and proving their virtue publicly mm that underneath that is perhaps 
a sense that they're less than worthy and that they they actually lack intrinsic value as a person and they're they're using these expressions of mm. um in, in, you know hoping to get public approval and mm-hmm. accolades to kind of fill that void of not not feeling worthy themselves have you looked into kind of what's behind that that behavior i think that's a part of it i think people care more about a lot of people care more about looking good than doing good and this is not a new it's a lot thing. harder to do good yeah <laughs> Yeah. It's, and, but also doing good tends to be quite subtle. You don't necessarily get accolades for it all the time, right? If you just day by day do, you know, small acts of good or charity or whatever. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, if you go back to even in, I mean, when I think of virtue signaling, I mean, it, it goes back to, to biblical times, right? The Bible talks about virtue signaling, right? About the person who goes and, you know, very boastfully gives money in a very ostentatious way. And they're showing off how much money they're donating and giving to the church or whatever. And then there's the person who quietly, even if they give less money, but they just quietly, you know, do their little bit. Then what do they say? You know, he who humbles, he who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be, will be exalted. So this Ooh, is not, that's good. Is that in the Bible? That's in the Bible. That's dope. Yeah. Wow, that's, a, that's a great principle. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a new thing. I mean, it's why Jesus had beef with some of the, you know, the, the Pharisees, et cetera, because they were talking the talk and, you know, outwardly seeming to be the most pious and holy people and whatever. But then beside behind the scenes, they were, you know, behaving in this dodgy way. It's it's also why, uh, you know, both people within and outside of the church have issue with, I don't know, say like the whole, obviously like the whole like Catholic peace sex scandal thing, right? It's particularly bad, not just because it's a sex scandal, but because it's freaking priests like you're the guys who are supposed to you're supposed to be the moral and spiritual leaders of of a church and of a community and for millions of people and then for them to to do that it's, so, it's that much worse and then um or or when you get these guys who are you know prof, profiteering off of it and just making all this money preaching you know prosperity gospel and you know donate you know we need to we need to get more offerings so that i can buy a private jet all that kind of stuff like Man, nothing on nothing undermines religion more than people like that. That's for sure. Um, but virtue signaling is not is not a new thing. I think it's always existed. I think with social media, there's a new way to do it. Right, there's a new right. way to do it. Like it's very, right. you can very publicly, you know, just put in the right hashtags or put in a couple emojis in your bio, put in your pronouns, and all of you know, wear a mask in your profile picture, and all of a sudden, and that and uh, I think people also do it not just because maybe they feel something intrinsically, but also people feel it gives them the right to be an a-hole, right? As long as you have the right hashtags in your bio and you, you know, put up your BLM black fist and you put your pronouns and whatever, then suddenly you can be really, really vicious to people and really actually unkind to people, but Uh, you're still a good person. Right. Because Because your motives are to help. Yeah. So you can tear someone down. Yeah, or you can at least pretend that they are, man. I, the, <laughs> like the, the worst, the worst people I come across consistently are, are people with virtue signaling stuff in their bio. You know, they've got the pronouns, they've got the rainbow flag, they've got the hashtag BLM, whatever. And then as soon as, you know, they come across somebody who differs from them politically or who they disagree, like they will be vicious, right? They'll be the most intolerant, aggressive, insulting people out there and they think that, oh, well, that's fine because I'm sticking it to those Trumpers or I'm, you know, doing it to those anti-vax idiots or whatever. And that's, again, that's, that, that, that's dark. If you're, if you're a virtuous person, you don't need to signal it in these ways. You just do what you do. 
you get on with life. You don't need to, you know, boast about every single thing or hide behind these, you know, like, I don't know, like, look at, look at June. June is what I think it's ridiculous that there's a whole month for pride. Right. But June is pride month. Okay. What happens? Every corporation now, you know, they put up their rainbow flags and whatever. And people are there like, oh, you look at how much we care about gay people or last year, this time, this time last year, BLM stuff, you know, George Floyd died. And all of a sudden every, oh, look, we look how much we care about black people. Like, you know, BLM, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, just be a mensch, just be a decent person. Like, I don't care if someone is black, white, straight, gay, what I don't need to go out there. You get the same with these male feminist types. Oh, I respect women. It's like, you should respect women. Like you should respect people. You shouldn't be like, it's kind just of, be normal. It's <laughs> kind of, it's kind of like, yeah, well, like I'm thinking yeah. of the, the male feminist. It's, I always get the sense that they're, they're actually like a creep or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's you don't have to walk around going, Hey, I'm not a rapist. It's, you know what I mean? It's overcompensating. That's yeah. the thing, right? I'm more suspicious of the guy who's like, you know, got BLM in his bio and is anti-racist and, you know, going on about how much they care about black people and people of color. What I'm like, I'm suspicious of that guy. Right. Just like the guy who's like, all oh, like, you know, super homophobic and always like, it was like, mm, maybe he's like, <laughs> right, you, know, right, right. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, just be, just be normal, man. Just treat yeah. people normally, like whatever. And you don't need to make this huge song and dance about it. If you do, it actually makes me think like, mm, what are you trying to, are you trying to hide something? Like, why are you being so like, I've never in my life felt that I need to, you know, whack up, drape myself in rainbow flags and you know, hashtag pride, like to, to show that I'm not homophobic or like, it's like, right, whatever, man, just, I just treat people fairly. I treat people equally cool. and <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, well, I don't need it, to run around, you know, running around telling people I'm an anti-racist. I'm a, it's like everyone, most people are anti-racist. Like most people are anti-racist. Like people aren't out there, you know, we're not in the 1920s, maybe in the 1920s where racism was like a really common thing you needed to like explicitly you know, say something about that. But if you're right, like if the vast majority of your sect or your population is one way and they're evil racist, then you might be more inclined to be like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not with that. You know, like if your town in Kentucky in 1890 was run by the KKK or whatever, you know, you might be on like the download, like, yeah, I'm not, not but if that's not really the prevalent thought, then you kind of just roll. Um, You mentioned something interesting about, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the inversion of what we, what we call, you know, conservative or liberal, right. Mm. They've just totally flipped Mm. where a guy like, I mean, I'm a straight up hippie dog. And if you looked at like my value (laughs) system on paper, I would be considered probably a right-wing extremist. (laughs) And I'm just like, I sit around and meditate. I take plant medicines, you know, like I'm pretty out there. Mm-hmm. but because I'm not down with tyranny and I believe mm-hmm. in the freedom of the human spirit, I would be classified as that. But anyway, um, it's like, I've definitely noticed that people that are in the social justice camp that have this guise of being the most for the underdog mm-hmm. ultimately are the most like vile and abusive and just Kind of, and I'm saying this is true of all those people. No, it's no, a no. gross, gross generalization, but they're like actually much less tolerant. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you look at uh, groups like Antifa or oh, something gosh. like that, and they're, you know, they're 
their message, I think, is like anti-fascism, yet, you know, they're going to like religious gatherings and beating the shit out of old ladies and people of color. And mm-hmm. like, there's just no rhyme or reason to it. And no. and even though I don't really get into the realms of politics or even social issues much, it's not really my lane. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember when the George Floyd thing happened and um, it's like, there was this guilt of association on my Instagram mm. just because I didn't like get the memo that you're supposed to post a black oh, yeah. uh, square. Or oh, I, I had a, I had a few white, <laughs> white liberal women unfollow me on Twitter because I, oh, sorry, unfollow me on Instagram because I didn't post the black square. First off, I didn't know about it. <laughs> I knew. Be, like if I was going to give a commentary on that, it would be from my heart out of love for my post fellow the black square. You bigot humans. And yeah. And I, you know, I would say I got a lot of pushback, but I got some DMS and like comments like, why aren't you saying anything? You have a platform, like you owe it to black people. And I'm like, that actually sounds really racist. Mm -hmm. Like, and a, year, and, 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 a, need, and a year on all those people are, you know, they've moved on to the next thing. I mean, right? do you need me to like go to bat for you? Please, you're please, a grown ass man. Like you're out there. Don't just be normal, man. That's all I ask. It's <laughs> all I exactly. ask of people. Like just be normal. Just don't treat me differently in a, in a certainly based on my skin color in like a, a special way, nor a bad way. Just, I mean, uh, do you, as a black guy, do you find, I can't stand it. Do you find that inherently racist it. that I find it freaking annoying. I don't necessarily find it racist per se. I find it freaking annoying, right? It's just like, just be normal. I don't need, you know, I assume that people are not racist. (laughs) Like I I assume I, I don't need someone to suddenly like, oh, you know, a black man died in Minnesota. And now all of a sudden, like all these corporations, even in England, now feel the need to message me to tell me that they they like black people. It's like, well, I sort of assumed like, I've been buying my groceries from you for 20 years. I sort of, <laughs> sort of, sort of assumed it was okay for me to shop here. You're like, and oh, I was now welcome. you tell me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. no, I, I don't, I don't like it at all. And I think it's very infantilizing as well. Yeah. And it doesn't do anything. It doesn't help anything, right? If you actually wanted to help people, like if you actually wanted to have like a real Black Lives Matter movement, which one could argue is actually quite necessary, certainly in the USA, then it wouldn't just be Black Lives Matter if they're killed in dubious circumstances by a white cop, which is basically what BLM is, right? It ignores the 99.9% of black deaths in America. And it just looks at that one specific thing, which is not, by the way, not even close to the top 10 things that are killing black people in this country, but it just totally, totally focuses on that. Forget the fact that more non-black people, forget the fact that more white people are killed by police every year than black people in the USA. I mean, look, if you want to have a movement against police brutality, like go and do that and make it that. But if you're going to have a movement, I think called Black Lives Matter, then like look at the top 10 things that are killing black people and let's tackle that. Let's talk about that. Let's open that. But then people don't even want to have that conversation. And that's why I'm just like, look, it's, you know, nice name, but um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down with this because it's, it's disingenuous and it's not actually helping people. Like what good no one's, no one's really been able to answer this question for me because I can tell you what bad's come of it, but no one's really been able to tell me like what good has come out of the Black Lives Matter movement in the last five to six years. Like, like what tangible positive changes have happened that have made life better for black people in the USA or abroad? I can tell you ways it's made it worse, but what, what good has come from it? So you made some, you know, white liberals on Twitter and Instagram feel good because they put it in their bio. Like that's it. It hasn't helped any black person. In fact, more black people. What happened after George Floyd was killed? The riots and the protests. Brutal, how, how, many, how many more 
how many more black people were killed in the summer of 2020 during those riots, over 10 of them, I think about 15 or so, right? Were directly killed, murdered. How many people lost their businesses or had their job, like their, their livelihoods wrecked, right? And no, and no one cares. So one, one black guy dies, so cool, let's kill another 15. Let's destroy another 100 people's business. Well done, guys. Well done. But you put the black square on Instagram, so you feel good. That's why it pisses me off. And I Damn. don't use that term often, yeah. but it pisses me off because I'm like, not only is this not doing any good, you're actually, and people don't care about the destruction, right? Because they, again, they, they care more about looking good than doing good. You haven't done anything good. You didn't create anything. You didn't, you haven't actually done anything really with the, and, and any of it, right? It, it, has, it hasn't done anything good. And you've also created, you've, you've furthered racial tension as well. Right. Oh, what, what do people do? Big like time. they start, yeah. then they, then they jump on and they start with the whole, like, you know, all white people are racist crap and whatever. And it's just like, dude, you're just raising the temperature rather than bringing it down, you know? Um, and people throw their little agendas in and they start trying to make it about this. And that remember when they started with the whole black trans lives matter, it's like, what, what are you even doing? Right. Did you see that? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, black lives matter is not enough. Black trans lives matter. Like what? Like you, now you're having a march for, it's, it's just, it, it's so asinine. It's like everyone's got their, people have their thing and their agenda and they're oh, like, let's hijack this thing and turn it into a trans thing. Right. And you're just like, what, like what's going on? And then you have the Asian lives matter thing. And that one's also different because I don't even know those, those, those ones even sort of clash because a lot of the Asian people who are getting like harmed or attacked like in big cities in the USA last year and beginning of this year, those acts were often committed by black people, which people don't like to talk about. But they're still there, <laughs> I like that you're still there trying to blame it on white supremacy. And I'm just like, oh, you people dude. are freaking clowns. Man. See, this is why I like you. I don't want to interview you. And I don't usually go there where we're going today. So this is good. Even I'm like, I don't know, should we be doing this? Shit? Which is good. I know we're on target, but you know, this is the shit you're talking about, man. A lot of people are thinking this. I know. You know, a lot of people are just normal people, dude. Like you walk in the room. Okay. I'm not blind. I know that you're a black guy and that it's quite possible and likely that your life has had some different shape or form and experience than mine because of the way people identify. Right. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't look at you that way as a person, right? I'm, I mean, I'm not dumb. I'm not naive to think there isn't racism or something like that. But what is really infuriating is the media and these movements that are coming from God knows where that are pushing people into identity politics and all these micro identifications, right? It's like when I look at myself in the mirror, I see Luke, the mm-hmm. soul behind my eyes. And I try to be as disidentified by the body as I can. I mean, mm. I'm not perfect at it, right? I, mm. oh, I got to lose a couple pounds here and <laughs> hairlines thinning, right? So I'm identified with the body mm. and somewhat, you know, I guess my personality, ego, intellect, sure. but really like my goal is to go within to what I really am as a spirit. Mm. And so when I relate to other people, yeah, I see the surface because there might be relevant information that helps me relate and communicate with them. You, you, you have eyes. But I'm seeing that that's a living being behind that. Right. Mm. And the more in touch I am with who and what I really am, the more easily I'm able to be in touch with who and what you really are, which is truly inclusive and truly tolerant Mm -hmm. and hopefully empathetic and compassionate and unconditionally loving. Yes. 
when I start to get caught up in my package, that doesn't sound right. When I get caught up in my package, <laughs> nothing gets done. But you know, when I start looking at things so superficially and mm. get caught up in, you know, anyone's like sort of um the the minutiae of their sexual preferences mm, or mm. the color of their hair or mm. how they like to dress or the music they listen to or what country they're from or what language they speak. It's like, it's all a distraction. None of those things are actually the human being. And there's some bizarre agenda. I guess they call it cultural Marxism. I mean, there's mm. kind of a history of this, but it seems like the agenda is to get people micro segregated into so many subgroups mm -hmm. of ego identification mm -hmm. that there's just rampant um, division. It's like not enough to just have like Latino, Asian, black, white, you know, you have all of these subgroups that we didn't create. Yes. Like, I don't think that way. I never created that. I don't mm -hmm. have a bunch of categories to put myself in. So my question is always like, who the fuck is doing this? Where does this come from? Because I don't think I don't think human beings are inventing it themselves. Like these mm -hmm. young kids that have, you know, all of these, you know, emojis and pronouns. Mm -hmm. I'm like, where are they actually getting all of this? And, and what's the agenda behind it? Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can boil it down to at a, at a wild guess is that there is some sort of force that is desiring for people to become further disidentified from who they really are mm -hmm. because within the true self is where the power lies. Like that's where your fire is, man, of just being a living, breathing man or woman, mm -hmm. right? Like you are, you're a sovereign being well, created you, by you, God. You, you, you inadvertently just answered your own question. Maybe I did. Sometimes right. I think I'm asking a question and then I'm mm. just on a, on a diatribe. Well, you said that, that that's where your power lies mm -hmm. and it's a power play. It's a power play. So it, the concepts primarily stem from academia and then it goes into, flows into politics and aspects of the media, but it, it's a power play. It's simple divide and conquer. It's it's nothing new, right? Identity politics is is not a, you know, you can pit people in groups, black versus white, men versus women, straight versus gay, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, mask versus no mask, uh, you know, red team versus blue team, liberal versus conservative, Democrat versus Republic. Anytime you can pit people against each other like that, it makes people more fragmented and easier to easier to control. Right. Easy to control because they stay fighting each other instead of fighting any sort of actual uh, right, power structure. Right, because right. there's an out. There is actually yes. an intrinsic outside threat. Exactly, and we'll ignore that threat because mm -hmm. I'm like caught up because yeah, you have a great T-shirt yeah, on, and I didn't respect your pronouns. So that's what it goes to. And what's interesting is that whole thing you were talking about before is if you push it to its natural conclusion, you actually end up back where people have already where our society has already learned this and thus based things correctly and legally off of it which is that the individual is the ultimate minority right so if you go through okay zuby is he's black he's male he's nigerian and british and heterosexual and he's this and he's that and he went to he's from this class like Ultimately, you just get down to Zuby is an individual. Zuby's an individual, right? You can't just say, oh, he's black and that other guy is black. So they share a similar story or way of thinking or character. No, right? That's actually where ra racism originally stemmed from. It stemmed from the notion that, okay, uh, you can just make this whole assumption about this group of people 
based off of a caricature or a stereotype or whatever. Black people are like X. And so therefore we can treat people different. White right. people, people right. do it now. Right. When that's why, right. you know, now it's kind of hip to be, uh, you know, in, under the guise of anti-racism, there's a lot of anti-white racism now, right? You can, you can now say things about white people, white men in particular, where if you were to say it about any other demographic, man, you'd lose your, you'd lose your Twitter account in, in two seconds. Right? It really hurts my feelings too. Yeah. But, but, but this is the thing, right? So people have, people are just inverting it. And this is what I mean by people sort of hiding behind their labels and, you know, their politics to be, to be jerks. Right. So suddenly because you're an anti-racist and you have BLM in your bio, you can just go all, you can just go to town on white people now. Right. You can just say yeah. whatever the heck you can say the most egregious, disgusting stuff, which if you said about Jewish people, black people, Asian people, anybody else, everyone would be like, no, nah, man, like, heck no. Right. You'd sound like a complete psycho. Um, and this is the thing, right? I'm very much an equalist, man. I'm just down to treating people equally, viewing people as individuals, like you said, I don't care, straight, gay, white, black, male, female, brown, Arab, atheist, theist. I treat people as individuals and that's the best you can do. And that's how people should be treated under the law, which we finally worked out, which is great. Um, and it's generally how people should be treated, you know, judge people by the content of the character not the kind i think there was a famous guy who said yeah that, yeah right you know and it's, it's it funny i noticed when people started um using that martin luther king quote then because it just says it all yeah. right i mean like you you just irrefutable right yeah. and then all this kind of anti-martin luther king stuff started coming mm -hmm. around oh he was a misogynist oh, yeah, and yeah, womanizer yeah. and i was like oh that's convenient you know yeah. the guy that just squelched the whole mm -hmm. idiocy of judging people based on externals you know, they're going to, I mean, and who, I don't know what his personal life was like, but I thought the timing of that was kind of funny. I'm like, yeah. really you going to like take, yeah. take that. But yeah. it's, you know, it's like, I also see the same thing with um, a lot of black conservatives, mm -hmm. you know, like someone like Candace Owens oh, or oh, something. Oh, we, 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 I mean, it's, it's like, it's, you're it's, not, it's, op it's open season on us. Like you're not allowed to like <laughs> step out of line and have your own point of view. Nope. It's and that is racist. And that is racist. That's super weird. That is racist. That's super weird. Yeah. In fact, that's the most common form of racism I see in modern society. Really? Oh gosh, yeah. And I've been dealing with that for people are finally starting to see it. It's been like that for decades. Oh, it's been like wow. that for decades. It's just that people now, maybe with the advent of social media, um, if they're in certain circles, they can now see it. Right? They can see that some of these because uh, the whole concept of racism is often in the mainstream, and I think this is part partly brilliant branding, but it's considered like a, it's considered like a right-wing phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow totally. like racism, it, it, there's always been this notion that, you know, the left or, you know, liberals are like, you know, tolerant and anti-racism or whatever. And, you know, those conservatives and right-wingers, like they just- That's what I they, always thought until the last it, couple of years happened. And it's, maybe it was true in the 1950s, right? But like the proper demarcations of liberal and conservative, but- any time from, I don't know, man, the, certainly the nineties onwards, like it's, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I can honestly say like, I don't, I don't deal with any sort of like racism that's actually like affects my life in any sort of tangible way. Um, but in terms of like comments that I get that are racist, um, 90% of it comes from the left side of the political aisle vast majority of it because they disagree with my politics. And if you disagree with, you know, 
with 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 the politics, then suddenly open it's, season. It, then it's open season, <laughs> right? You know, it's, and uh, it's uh, and it's it's quite a it's quite a remarkable phenomenon that people should be more aware of. People really should be more aware of because, and it's even it's even worse here in the USA because. In the U.S., it's literally assumed that you know if you're black, you're a Democrat, right? It's almost like it's it's almost like embedded in the thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's just like oh yeah, black black Americans vote Democrat, and you know, and there's truth to it. It's like ninety percent or something like that, right? But it's just assumed, and so someone who steps out of that, whether they're an independent or they're libertarian or they're Republican or whatever, the way that they those people can be treated, both by other black people and by people of all different colors, et cetera, can be like very, it can be very, very vicious, like very vicious, lots of name calling, like outright racism, stuff that just would not typically fly suddenly becomes okay. And I would think that's something people need, should be aware of and perhaps should talk about more. And that's not me be like playing any sort of, you know, victim or saying I'm persecuted or whatever. Right. It's just saying like, look, this is an, an, an observation. And oh, that's very, if you, yeah. And something I, I said on Rogan, which I'll repeat here, which is that I think what really, when people's character really, really shows is actually how they treat people who they disagree with. That's what really, I think, shows somebody's character and kindness and how real and tolerant and inclusive and open to diversity, et cetera, they actually are. Because it's very, it's very easy to, okay, someone, this person, you know, agrees with me on 99% of things. Like it's easy to be tolerant of that person, right? Because they agree with you and, you know, you you kind of back each other up. But when you come across someone who you strongly, you know, you disagree with, you know, strongly on one issue or multiple things or whatever, if you suddenly think it's okay to, like I said before, you know, wish harm or death upon that person or to just be really nasty and insulting or whatever, then you've played, you've revealed your true character. You've revealed your true character, like, cause tolerance isn't just tolerating people who agree with you. It's about the, the, the divergence. It's about people who, who don't agree with you and being able to go, you know what? I disagree. I, I, you know, I can even strongly really, really, really disagree with that person on that thing. But, you know, I wish you, I wish you all the best. I'm going to treat you like a human. I'm not going to denigrate you or like, you know, hope that something bad happens to you or whatever. Maybe, maybe I hope you change your mind. Right. That often happens. Maybe I hope you change your mind and you come more around to my way of thinking, but I don't want to, I'm not going to like bully you into it or threaten you into it or try to, you know, hope all, all of that. So I think that's really, um, I think that's really revealing. And I think with social media, it's interesting because that really gets revealed. You can really see who is, how people treat people they disagree with. Right. And you actually see even a lot of, you know, celebrities or some you see there's some nasty people out there, man. Like they're really, really nasty. And, you know, again, they'll be doing it under the guise of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm virtuous and compassion because I put he, him in my pronoun, in my, in my profile. <laughs> my and hate I've got is my, coming from a place of yeah, compassion. Ex- exactly. <laughs> therefore Exa- it's valid. Yeah. So therefore it's valid. And I'm just uh, like, man, man, well, that's, to me, that's always, that's always the giveaway because that goes beyond yeah. the surface level. And it's like, okay, have someone disagree with this person and let's see, do they, can you disagree and you know, have a call to conversation and be civil and be respectful? Or is it suddenly like, oh, you know, the, you know, the, the attacks come out and the denigration and the slander and, you know, trying to, you know, misrepresent the person or call them whatever name or whatever slur, all of that. Um, 
So yeah. A couple of days ago, I saw a headline from the Los Angeles Times about this guy, Larry Elder. I don't know if you're familiar with Larry Elder. Yeah, I know Larry. He's running for governor. Mm-hmm. And black face of white supremacy. I, yeah. <laughs> the black face oh of gosh. white supremacy. I'm like, can, can, a, can a guy get a break? Dude. Like, honestly, man, like that guy's pretty damn wholesome. I mean, I've watched a lot of his stuff. He makes a lot of sense to me. I don't mm-hmm. find anything extreme about him. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely have never had any indication that he you know, has any ill will toward his own people, you know? It's the perfect example of what I was just talking about. craziness, man. And and it's also saying, you know, get black, get back in line, black man. Right. You're not allowed to think that way. You're thinking like a white person, right? You're not not allowed to, not allowed to have your own views. How dare you step out of line? And people, whoever wrote that headline, they're freaking racist. They probably don't even know it. Yeah. Right. They're there thinking they're fighting against racism. But if you're there calling a black man the the black face of white supremacy, you've lost me, man. Like you, <laughs> you you've literally, uh, man. Like that. There's so many layers to that, and I'm sure perhaps the person who wrote it doesn't even realize what they're projecting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, God, we've covered a lot of shit today that I had no idea we were going <laughs> to dig into. Thank, you know, thank you for humoring me and going in all of these uh, divergent uh, directions here. It's all good, man. Uh, I want to perhaps leave people. I don't feel like we've been too doomsday about no, no, things, no. but we're also talking about some some real shit, and mm-hmm. some of it is, you know, um, maybe uncomfortable to look at for mm-hmm. some people. So, being where we are in the world right now as a species of humans, what would you say is the way forward? You know, like there's so many things beyond our control. What, mm-hmm. what can we do to have a positive impact and to bring uh, people together and, you know, erase some of the division that I yeah. think is largely being hoisted upon us. Yes. Right. It's, it's yes. not like it's happening because of us, maybe human nature, but mm-hmm. you know, the media narratives and all of these things that are causing this division. I heard you talk about this the other night and it really spoke to me is that we need to, and it's kind of related to what you just said, we need to really embrace those people we disagree with mm-hmm. because, you know, I think fundamentally all of humanity is for humanity, yes. regardless of what our particular positions are in a medication or public policy and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, how can we find our voice and be a force for good in the world and, and, and close that gap that yeah. we're finding between us? Yeah, well, I think everything helps with working on yourself, right? Becoming physically, mentally stronger, building yourself up spiritually, emotionally, et cetera. Because once you do that, you just become a much more powerful force in general. And you become someone people respect, people listen to, and you become more of an authority. And you also are in a stronger position. And when you're in a strong position, you're less likely to, by definition, operate from a position of weakness, right? Oftentimes people promoting authoritarianism, you've probably seen this. It tends to be weak people. Absolutely. Weak people lean towards authoritarianism and telling people what to do and trying to use the force of the state, something more powerful than them to get other people to do it, right? They themselves can't, you know, force me to do jack, right? But then they'll try to use you know, if they can't bully you directly, they'll do it in that roundabout manner. So make yourself stronger. And then beyond that is, I think being aware of the divide and conquer narrative protects you a lot from it. If you are aware that, okay, this is what the powers that be do. They're going to try to turn friend against friend, neighbor against neighbor, family against family. You know, they're going to try to create these rift along racial lines or along, you know, like medical lines now, 
you know, political lines, religious lines, like they, they, they have different ways to do it. Right. There's create, find the way, you know, take the wedge, find the gap and drive it in there. So if you're aware and cognizant of that, then it protects you a lot because you can kind of see what's coming. And when they're doing it, you can be like, look, I'm not going to fall for that. Right. When they're there on the TV saying like, you know, there's a pandemic of the unvaccinated or, you know, vaccine, unvaccinated people, this unvaccinated, right. You're aware that, okay, this is firstly turn the TV off, but if you're going to watch it, be aware that they're trying to sell you a particular narrative, just like they sold people on the, you know, everyone who voted Brexit is racist. Everyone who voted Trump is racist, blah, blah, blah. Like they're trying to drive that wedge because it creates more power from them. Um, and then just to not, not fall for it. Don't fall for it. Right. Don't lose friends because you have a disagreement on something like talk, talk to people, you know, show true empathy, show true empathy and true compassion. If you find someone who you don't agree with, or you don't understand their perspective, right. You don't, you don't know, you don't know why they, uh, you know, that you just don't understand their position. Talk, listen to them, talk to them. Even if you think they're like, you know, crazy or whatever, like hear out their perspective, which can be hard. It can be hard. You might have to grit your teeth and be like, right. But, but hear out their perspective. Yeah. And then yeah. once you do, then you can bring your own. And even if you end up disagreeing, you will at least create that empathy. Cause at the moment, a lot of vice false binaries are being created. Right. So a great example of a false binary that's very relevant is they're trying to create it, make it seem like everybody is either pro-vax or anti-vax. Right. So all of a sudden people who never in our lives had been called anti-vax before you're suddenly being anti-vax, anti-vax or anti-vax or right. Anti-vax or actually means somebody who is like totally against vaccines, period. Right. Just like a, just like an ethical vegan is against meat. Like there are no, no vaccines. I don't want them. I don't like, like, right. Someone who doesn't want a particular vaccine out of the hundreds available is not an anti-vaxxer or someone who simply thinks people should be free to choose whether or not they take it. That's not an anti-vaxxer, but they're trying to make it either you're pro and thus you're even in favor of it being mandatory or you're anti, right? And that's a totally false dichotomy. It's a great distinction. Right? It's a yeah. totally false dichotomy that's being that's been created. Just like they tried to do this thing with the anti-racist thing. If you look into the anti-racism philosophy, the notion is that everyone is either anti-racist or racist. It's a false dichotomy. So if you're not on board with Robin DiAngelo and Ibram Kendi and being actively anti-racist, not just not racist, then you are complicit in a racist system and are therefore racist. Wow. It's, right? that, that, that's the philosophy behind it. Yeah. So everyone is either an anti-racist or racist, as if there's no huge middle ground here of just not being racist. Right. That's very unproductive. Exactly. And so, so, <laughs> so it's all, least. yeah. So what did they say? Was it, um, males who said, um, oh, man. tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance and that's, that's what's happening. Right. So nuance is being deliberately removed. And once that happens, people fall into these factions and it just becomes this us versus them thing. And people also make assumptions about people's views, which are, which are wholly, Incorrect, right? There's so many people. Every day I get people on social media who literally project things that apparently they think I believe that I don't believe. I've never said, I've never claimed, etc. But all of a sudden it's being, you know, they've kind of thrown me in that box. And so it's, it's just that. Um, so there's a lot of nuance to all of this and it can be difficult to do online, but certainly in the real world, when you talk to people and you can see them face to face and have a more nuanced, longer conversation then it helps to do that. And it creates, it creates empathy because then at least you can understand 
you can understand the other side. You can understand other people's positions. Other people have, people have different experiences as well, as well. You know, there might be somebody who knows, uh, I don't know, somebody's say somebody's dad died of COVID, right? There, there's a good chance that that person will be more afraid of the virus itself than somebody who doesn't know anybody who's died. Maybe they don't even know anyone who's caught it or if they did, it was like a mild cold or whatever. So that's anecdotal, but it still has an impact. Just like somebody who, uh, you know, people, people are, we are emotional creatures too. So understand that. And there's a balance between, you know, I'm, I'm very much like a facts guy. Like, give me the facts, 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 right? Facts and data. But I do understand that someone's personal experience or the experience of someone close to them can also skew their perspective to the point where the facts kind of land a little bit flat on them. So again, if both people can be compassionate and empathetic, then you can, you can help people to navigate that. And I think that's where you get that, you get that unity, you get the proper compassion and it's not just like a fight all the time. Agree to disagree. Yeah. You know, sometimes like that's your common ground. It's like, oh, this is great. We, Mm -hmm. We, we, we share something. We don't agree. <laughs> you, know? you don't agree with me. Yeah. I don't agree with you. We have that in common. Cool. Yeah. That might be the only thing we agree on, but it's, it's pretty just solid. Being, it's being an adult as well. Like there's yeah. no, literally there's no two people in the world who agree on absolutely everything. There just aren't. Like if you get into the nitty gritty, like you'll have general people you generally agree with. If you go into super detail, like on every, we all have disagreements, man. Yeah. So it's just part of life. It's part of being an adult. We all have to live in the same society and function and not kill each other. So let's do it. Yeah, man. Last question for you. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work that you could share with us? Uh, my dad, my mom, and Jesus Christ. Wow. You were the fastest out of all my guests. Usually yeah. people are like, oh man, what? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> they get all fuddled, befuddled. I mean, that's yeah. good. Uh, tell us about your new album. Word of Zuby. Um so it's out now. It is my sixth album, my ninth release in total. It's my most personal and provocative work to date. Touches on, honestly, it, it touches on more socio-political and cultural issues than any of my previous albums, but it's also very positive and inspirational and motivational. I'm not just like preaching and beating people over the head with a, uh, you know, super strong messaging. It's a very enjoyable album. The beats are really dope. Got producers on there from all over the world. Got some great collaborations with uh, both British and American artists. And uh, go listen to it. I'm very, very proud of this album. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and anyone that knows me knows this. I don't like rap music. Okay. There was a period like in the beginning of the '90s when NWA came out, mm-hmm. and I got straight out of Compton on vinyl. And I loved that album. Man. Nice. I was super into it. But that's like the only rap I've ever really listen to i mean mm. i don't still you know but there was a moment there mm. um but i listened to your album because okay. you're you know because i follow your work and i was like yeah, oh yeah. what's this guy up to and it's it's really good dude Thank it's you. really good Thank so you. i want to encourage people to you know yeah please give it a shot that. even even if you're someone who doesn't typically listen to rap give it a shot because a lot of people don't like rap partly because of the messaging well that's kind of been my thing you know mm. i'm just like dude i don't need more negativity in my head i'm trying to like detox negativity yeah. right i mean yeah. it's just like i don't listen to like thrash metal or mm-hmm. like satanic death metal yeah death metal you know it's yeah. just not my energy mm-hmm. and that's kind of the thing like i don't mind a beat and like someone rapping it's just like yeah the content of the lyrics i think that's why when i listened to yours i was like oh this is actually dope yeah it's basically i mean i only heard a couple tracks but it's like the conversation we just had 
that rhymes and is yeah. in the flow. You <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, cool. Like yeah. I can get behind this. You I know? once had so, someone yeah. uh, last year. Someone said that my music is like. Uh, I think they were trying to diss me. Uh, it wasn't a fan, but they said like my. Uh, they said they said that one of my songs sounds like a stream of tweets or something like that. And I think they said it as a diss, but I was like, man, my tweets are dope. Like you're actually pretty accurate. Like, that is, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I rap. It's actually why I like Twitter. Cause it's yeah. kind of like rapping, but without rhyming. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, so you got a podcast to give us your website, social media, all that stuff. For yeah, people sure. That so follow you. you can follow me on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Zuby music. That's Z-U-B-Y music. And if you go to zubimusic.com, you'll find links to everything on there. My music, my merchandise, my podcast, zubimusic.com. You'll find it all there. Cool. Very prolific, man. You got the book. You got all these things. So thanks, man. Thanks for coming through Texas. Welcome. Welcome to the States. Enjoy your trip. And it's been a real pleasure to hang out with you today. pleasure, Luke. Appreciate it. Oh, man. That was a fun conversation. I don't know if I've laughed that hard in a podcast recording in a long time. Zuby's a cool cat, man. Very bright. And it's funny because I sat down with all these notes. I had all these things I wanted to talk to him about. And there were some things that I, I actually didn't want to uh, drift into. Just things that were just too inflammatory. Things I just didn't know my way around or how to approach exactly. And uh, I don't know. I just felt very comfortable to just kind of go full out with him. And he was obviously able to keep up and also lead at certain points and just go there, man. So it was great. You know, I've listened to some of his interviews, but mostly, as I said, I think during this conversation, I follow him on a Twitter and you kind of get a sense of somebody's point of view. And I knew that he was really witty and just awake, but man, there's nothing he didn't want to cover. And I really appreciate that when I sit down to interview someone and it's just full on and they just go for it. It's amazing. So Thank you so much for joining us. If there were some resources or links that were mentioned during the show and you want to access them, here's what you do. Go to lukestory.com slash Zuby. There you will find the show notes and the links and even a link to a complete transcript of every single word you just heard in this episode. My team works very hard to put those together and uh, they and I would be so appreciative if you took advantage of the hard work that they put in. And uh, there's nothing that we get out of you reading the show notes, actually. <laughs> but it's great for you if you're like, hey, what was that one book mentioned or a film or, you know, his album, his music, any of that stuff. It's all going to be in there at lukestory.com slash Zuby. Next week's episode, it's funny. I feel like the show is just kind of bouncing around into so many different directions. But in the end, it's all about uplifting humanity and uh, getting a grip on ourselves, right? So next week, we're going to be talking about birth and mothering. It's called The Myths of Infertility, Primester Power, and Creating Super Babies with Dr. Cleopatra. And uh, that one was also incredibly fun. Dr. Cleopatra, if you don't know her, is just, honestly, she's one of those people that just lights up the room. She's just a beam of light. And she's also a brilliant doctor and knows everything you'd ever want to know about getting pregnant successfully and having them super babies. And uh, next week's episode is a special one because it was, I would say, co-hosted by Allison. She came to kind of sit in. She wanted to meet Dr. C and uh, wanted to participate in that conversation. And so um, it was it was really fun to actually sit down as a couple that um, hopes to have kids at some point and uh, talk to one of the world's leading experts about that. So can't wait to share that one with you next week. And again, if, uh, if you want the raw, uncut newsfeed about current affairs and topics that I can't post on the communist corporate channels, 
please feel free to join me at lukestory.com slash telegram. Got a telegram channel there. You get the time of this recording. There's about 3,000 people following it. I just opened up comments a few days ago. I didn't, couldn't figure out how to do that at first. And people are like, hey, we want to say things too. I do want to warn you though, the Telegram channel, it's it's inspiring from the point of view that there's information there that you won't find on the censored media outlets or on your television, but it's also some pretty grim truths on there. I'm going to kind of warn you. So as I give you a trigger warning for this conversation, if you find some of the subject matter uh, touchy, well, the Telegram channel is going to be more of the same. And if if you want to uh, avoid fear porn and, you know, kind of keep your head blissfully in the sand. I totally respect that. I think working on your meditation, your health, your mindfulness, your positive thought, your sovereignty, your emotional intelligence and well-being, healing your trauma, a lot of the things we talk about on this show are more important than knowing about the latest disastrous news around the world from these psychos running the planet, which is what you're going to find on my Telegram channel. So if that's not your bag, that's by all means keep listening to this show and here you'll find most of the time the uplifting information that's going to really hopefully help carry you forward and support you and your family and friends to have the life of your dreams because that's what the lifestyles podcast is all about so thank you for helping me to live my dream i'll be back next week with dr cleopatra Mm -hmm.